0: netsuite dot com slash WTF. Lock the gate. <laughs> All right, let's do this. How are you? What the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fucking ears? What's happening? I'm Mark Marin. This is my podcast. WTF. Welcome to it, Ron Howard, the director, actor, producer. Uh, living embodiment of show business has been in show business his entire life and has maintained his uh, integrity as a decent and nice guy. Ron Howard is on the show today. So that's great. How are you? I'm all right. Thanks for asking. Uh, Things are going good. Spread pretty thin. I'm starting to think about things. This last weekend, I did three big shows, around the, the uh, L.A. area up in Santa Barbara on Friday night with uh, Kevin Christie opening at the Campbell Hall. It was amazing. And then I did um, Largo on Saturday night, and I just I was up there for like two hours working it out. I really wanted to have a tape of that, but something went wrong with the sound system. Then Sunday night I did the I- Ice House, another hour-plus uh, show, and it was uh, great. All great shows. I want to thank everyone for coming out. It's really those are the last three major workouts I'm going to have before I go to New York and do Carnegie, and uh, I feel uh, I feel good today. Feel confident today. I'm a little crazy otherwise, uh, but out. But the comedy felt good. I was engaged. I was locked in. I was uh, present and funny, and uh, it was exciting. Largo was exciting. You know, when you look at your watch and you've been up there an hour and forty five minutes, and you still got stuff to do. That's a uh, I don't know, that's uh you have know, to you do something for your entire life and you work hard at it to know that it is uh that it comes to you like that and that you can sort of stay in the saddle that long. That's that means you've uh you've become a professional at something, at the very least of occupying a stage space for two hours half improvisationally and half uh structured, but just uh being having it be your home. Having it be your home away from the horror. that is ongoing in your mind. But uh, thank you again for coming out. Those were fun shows. Very self-conscious right now. Seem to be searching for ways to kick my own ass. I'm just a little overextended right now, and uh, I find that I I can't quite appreciate that when you're spread thin, uh, your emotional capacity is diminished, and uh, anybody's needs of any kind just seem like some sort of imposition i guess that's not a boundary issue Uh, i guess that's just um uh, a a a management personal management issue i don't know what to do i don't know what to do to uh to find the space i don't know about the meditating thing i I really don't maybe i'm losing my mind wouldn't that be a, a bad thing just to uh you know get to this point and all of a sudden, everything starts fragmenting. Everything starts breaking apart. Pow! I just shit my pants. Just Co-op. See that? Comes back around. Haven't done one of those in a while. I watched um, that documentary on Glenn Campbell last night about Alzheimer's, and it was just devastating. It was just devastating. And I keep feeling like I've got this little window here now that I, have, I can afford to enjoy life, <laughs> I've got this little window between now and, where, and, and whenever things start to go wrong. And I'm starting to feel old a little bit. I'm starting to feel the joints. I'm starting to feel uh, the anxiety of it. And then I start thinking about my own mortality. That's why I can't meditate. That's why I can't meditate. And I felt horrible for Glenn, but it was also sort of a fascinating journey and courageous thing for him to do that tour as Alzheimer started to ravage his capacity and you know at the core of it what was left was was his ability to sing and and still play guitar as his his mind and memory started to to dissipate and and it was sort of fascinating the vulnerability of that and the in the and the courage of that I, I don't know how aware he was of it to perform in that state where everything is very present and then goes away as fast as it happens and just the vulnerability of those emotions in those moments as his condition progressed and they showed footage of him on stage sort of having immediate emotional responses to things that are happening that were that were frightening and it it does say something about about vulnerability and about the responsibility of other people to handle and to uh, to be there for people's vulnerability of any kind whether it's helplessness or or just emotional openness, it's very odd that you know that that something like vulnerability or or being that present with your feelings and fears publicly is so jarring. But but it really is. It really is. Even even if it's relatively um, contextualized and controlled, that you know if you find a an outlet for it. Like if I'm on stage and things start to break down, and and then I explore vulnerability, the experience of of my feelings in in the immediate present to those people who are watching must be sort of like, oh no, what's going to happen now? You know, I, I imagine on in, on the negative spectrum of that, it's the same sort of feeling you get with uh, with someone like Donald Trump, who is impulsively. Just blundering through um, his uh, his feelings publicly, um, and a lot of people like me are just you know you're waiting for a train wreck. But the people that find strength in his primarily aggravated feelings of vulnerability uh, are are just empowered at the tone of it. Strange thing. Scary shit vulnerability is scary and it's scary to witness but in both the good and the bad ways it can be the the purest form of human interaction there is you know not everything is scripted you know it's when i like when i do these these um sort of keynote events that there's this process there's this program there's this structure to people talking to other people everything fits within this frequency it's same with entertainment a lot of times is that you're expecting something controlled something um worked out and professional there's a safety to it this is the act this is the pitch this is a fully conceived I- uh, event an idea i imagine that's why people like sports and i never really got into that there is that Outside chance that something amazing will happen. But most of life is set up so that is avoided. Just relegated to content. Render it down. I'll work this stuff out. Did I mention Ron Howard? Ron Howard is on the show today. Director, actor, producer. Ron Howard, a man who's been in show business for his entire life, really. And it's interesting when I was talking to him that the the sort of recollection I had about Happy Days. Happy Days was important. I'm a 53-year-old man. I, I don't know exactly when it was on, but I do remember in, uh, gee, it must have been fifth grade, maybe fifth grade, fifth or sixth grade, I dressed up as Fonzie. I dressed up as a greaser, as they called it. I just remember it because I was really kind of upset and wanted the the perfect sort of DA, kind of greased up hair, but my hair was too thin to do it, and I was, what, 10, 11? My dad knew a cop who was a patient of his, so I was able to borrow his leather jacket that was kind of undermining to the rebel spirit of the greaser archetype to have... uh, Albuquerque police force patches on the jacket. But uh, the effect was there. I remember, I guess it was a sock hop situation with some sort of dance and we were supposed to dress up. And I knew this other kid, Robert, whose hair was so thick that he couldn't grease it up properly and his mother put uh, bobby pins in it. Again, that sort of undermined the effect. Two fifth grade boys, one with a leather police jacket on, And the other one with bobby pins in his greased up hair. Go to the sock hop. But nonetheless, Ron Howard, an amazing career in show business is here today. And uh, he directed the third installment of the Da Vinci Code uh, insanity called Inferno starring Tom Hanks. That opens tomorrow, Friday, October 28th in theaters everywhere. But he's done a lot of other things and he's a very um, decent guy nice guy and a guy who gets things done. And I was uh, thrilled to have this conversation with him. This is me and Ron... Howard. Ron Howard is here. I I never do that. (laughs) <laughs> Usually, because I'm going to do the intro later. And but you, I, I and first,
1: do you edit them. I mean, do you, yeah, we'll do you edit, edit a long? little bit. Oh, yeah, okay, great.
0: But I don't. I don't imagine you're going to say anything that you're going to be like, oh, you got to take I, I that. Gotta, out. No, probably not. <laughs> probably that's probably not me, really. Yeah, no, no. I, I don't assume that I'm going to see some version of Ron Howard that no one's ever heard before. <laughs> no, nobody has anything bad to say about you, Brian. Everyone says you're the nicest guy in show business.
1: Yeah, well, you know, nice, nice is uh, uh, I think.
0: Decent. How's decent?
1: Decent. I think mostly it's just kind of not an asshole. (laughs) I think I've tried to avoid being an asshole as much as possible. Did you ever experiment with it? Uh, I never really intentionally did, but of yeah. course, inadvertently, I'm I'm sure there's plenty of people you could find. There's one guy with one story about that Ron Howard. <laughs> yeah, what an asshole. On, what an asshole.
0: <laughs> yeah, that was. Could, yeah.
1: might not characterize me as a complete asshole at right. all times. Right, but would 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 acknowledge some asshole behavior sure. at some point.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, who who doesn't have that? If if you didn't have a little of that, what kind of weirdo <laughs> would you be? Yeah, I guess so. I guess. So. <laughs> but I mean, you've been in the business so I mean, and I know you you, you hear this, but uh, I. Like I've talked to people that you know like uh, you know Michael McKean, uh, Gary right. Marshall was yeah. here before he passed right. and that was an amazing interview. But there there's something I get fascinated with about this town and this industry is that when you started when you were a kid, right. it was a much smaller business. Yes, very small. And, and yeah, and everyone and, knew each other kind of. In fact, I you know, my father aunts,
1: Howard, yeah. who's still still working, I think his Sag card is like, you know, <laughs> Six five thousand and twelve or something. Really, and, and mine's a pretty low number. Right, uh, and uh, uh you know, and and so it's yeah, it, it has changed. I mean, he did. He was acting in live TV in like the late forties and early fifties here in in New York. Yeah. And uh, they they were they were from they were from the Midwest. They were from Oklahoma. First. But
0: you don't remember Oklahoma. You were you were born there. Or you, yeah, were, I don't. I mean, we visited a few times. Right. I, I
1: was born there because um, uh, tra- tragically my mom had had my dad was in the Air Force yeah. at the time, and she'd had a stillborn baby on the on the on the base, at yeah. the base hospital the year before. Where and, was the base? I don't remember yeah. Mississippi or something. Yeah, and uh, not overseas. Right. Um, and uh, um, the so she just wanted to have me in the. In her home hospital, so right. I was delivered by the same doctor who who delivered her in Duncan, oh, really? Duncan
0: Oklahoma. So that was the the reason. Like That's the I reason I was born. Yeah. Trust and I want to be home. And yeah. your grandparents were there, probably. Probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: And And uh, you know, and they met at at uh, at at OU at Oklahoma University. Wow. And, and shortly after the shortly after the war, and they were both in the in the drama department, which is really? kind of an unlikely thing. Yeah. That was a really important drama department, though. A lot of a lot of pros came out of the, like who. Dennis Weaver, a guy named Lou Antonio, was in Cool Hand Luke and oh, became yeah. a really good TV director. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think a guy named Victor French was from there. there. There were quite a few, and even to this day, they have I think one of the premier um, theater programs and, and 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 musicals for some reason. But they, uh, you know, he was from a he was an absolute hick. I mean, complete just a farm boy.
0: You well, you know? think about early movies. I mean, there were that was a th- that character those character actors from the american midwest were important well he
1: really wanted to be you know roy rogers Mm -hmm. and uh, that's what hooked him on the idea and 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 gene autry but no one fortunately nobody told him he couldn't carry a tune because he wanted to be a singing cowboy uh and then uh but he you know he had something and and he met my mom who had a who you know was didn't pursue acting professionally yeah uh, until much later in her life, but everybody said she was kind of top notch there right. at the at the school. Yeah, and it wasn't until much much later that I realized that she was the real engine in the in the relationship in terms of actually having the guts to basically be what almost like immigrants. I mean, they didn't uh-huh. know anybody in New York, and they just went to New York.
0: You yeah, know? and she, well, yeah, she was supportive and like you know probably yeah. you know kept everybody yeah. together. <laughs>
1: well, yeah, I think at that time she still wanted to act, and then yeah. she just
0: found the business so
1: cold and miserable. They acted together. In fact, before they got married, they were they were traveling around um, in this uh, children's theater troupe. Uh-huh. Me- years later, yeah. When the Andy Griffith Show was on, yeah. and I had, a, and I, they wanted me to go to New York. Yeah. Now we were living in L.A. We wanted me to go to New York and do some publicity and stuff. Yeah. And uh, for Andy so, Griffith. For Andy Griffith Show. And my mom took me. My dad was probably working on on Gentle Ben with my brother Clint at that <laughs> <Yeah>. point, <laughs> and uh, was in Florida. Uh, <laughs> with the bear. Dealing with the bear and the gators and the ticks <laughs> yeah. and the mosquitoes. And, uh, but um, so we went, and the one thing she she loved New York, mm-hmm. loved New York. And uh, the one thing she wanted to do was go to the automat, and they still had these automats. Where you get where you, the
0: pie in the little Yeah, and they, the window. quarter into yeah. the window and get yes. a
1: sandwich out yeah. or a pie. And we did that and it was crowded. And she said, there are only two of these left. And you know, and, and we, my, Rance and I used to eat here all the time when I was, t- you know, t- a typist at CBS. And, right. And all, and, uh, and all of a sudden we, I heard this voice and it was uh, kind of a low voice. It was, Gene, Gene Howard. And we looked across and, and couldn't really see anybody. It was real crowded. Yeah. And suddenly this, this dwarf comes walking through with this, literally a cigar in his mouth. Yeah. And it's Gene Howard. <laughs> and and he she knew his name and they, they hugged. And she said, this is your boy from the OP, from the show? I didn't know that. And, and uh, we talked for a minute and she said, you know how I know him? And I, and I finally got the story. What? They they were in this children's theater group uh, touring around in this bus and stuff and truck and uh, and give, doing trading off doing uh, Cinderella and Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs <laughs> and when they did Snow White they had four dwarfs <laughs> and in fact my dad would often like hide behind some bushes or a window or something and yeah. on his knees and be the try to be another dwarf right and <laughs> to fake it a little bit <laughs> yeah. but so anyway. Um, She's told me the story and by now I was 12 or something and she said, "You know, we fell in love and we'd met at OU, we got this job doing this and we just fell in love on the road and and you couldn't get married because it took 3 days to get your blood, your license." Right. Cuz of the blood. You couldn't test. get married on the road. Couldn't get married on the road, but Kentucky, you could get married in 1 day. And right. we found out we're in Kentucky. Let's do it. And we did it. And we were just going to go down to the Justice of the Peace and just do the whole thing. And they and they wouldn't have it. And they decided they took all the sequins off the Cinderella dress. <laughs> yeah. And in the hotel lobby after the show, the, the four dwarves... <laughs> were you know they were <laughs> that was the <a> wedding party <laughs> that, that was the wedding party and and so she and and they were completely drunk by then because right. they were drunk all the time right but this guy was one of the witnesses to my parents wedding
0: that's a hell of a show business story uh, yeah so i was uh, you know i wasn't
1: exactly born in a trunk but you know the spirit was there <laughs> yeah and your dad did, uh, theater and television and radio in New York? He never really did much radio. He did, uh, th- he did theater. Uh, he was in Mr. Roberts with mm. Henry Fonda. Really? Uh, yeah. And toured the country with that. That was a good job. With Henry? Yeah.
0: Wow. Well, it
1: was great. And later I did a television series with Henry Fonda and it really, it, 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 did me a lot of good because he was very quiet and all of it, but he, he really liked my dad and, and he had remembered seeing my mom pregnant with me Uh-huh. and, uh, It gave me a tremendous connection, and he was wound up. This is really jumping ahead, but he was he wound up being the first sort of bona fide, serious dude who said if you love movies, you should be a director because he saw that I was making super eight movies and writing and he said, you know, and and I know you're an actor and, 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 uh, and that's great. But, but if you really love the medium of movies, it's a director's medium and started giving me film books and things like that. Really? of course I lost. Uh I lost him. But he didn't
0: direct, did he much
1: or at all? I don't think he ever directed. He produced it. He produced *Oxbow Incident* and a couple of other movies, and um, found that kind of unsatisfactory. But he didn't love film. He wanted to. He kept going back to stage. Oh yeah, yeah. But anyway, so my dad, he did. Yeah, he did live TV and he did theater, and then and then uh, the Korean War came along, and he looked like he was going to get drafted so he enlisted so that he could get in the in the theater you know uh core core and uh, <laughs> he ducked, he kind of ducked that that way but it made him really angry because he had some had some heat going oh really and suddenly it was disrupted for four years and he had to kind of fight his way back into the business wow well,
0: but when you were in new york does that was that where you i mean before you did i imagine well how old were you when you started doing television out here well, you're like it was. It was five, before Opie, right? It was
1: before. It was like, and the first jobs were uh, live shows. It was Playhouse ninety live television. Live television, and in New York. It, well, that was in L. A. We so, moved out to L. A. By then, because when when we got back, the first job I ever did was a little thing where, uh, well, it was called a movie called The Journey. And right. It was in. It was took place in. Um, it was shot in Vienna. It was. It was about the Hungarian Revolution, starring Mule Brenner and Deborah Carr. And uh, you're five? Uh, four still. <laughs> uh, and, and, and so my my dad was making the round. See, yeah. my dad directed Summer Stock also. Yeah. And so one year, when I was, I guess, about three, he was doing Mr. Roberts, a show he knew real well. Right. And he saw that I was hanging around and kind of picking up the dialogue
0: uh-huh.
1: um, and it was a great summer i kind of remember this because they let me wear a life vest and jump into the swimming pool whenever i wanted i right. kind of had the run of the joint yeah yeah it was really great but but i also would like to watch the rehearsals and uh he saw that i was picking up on the dialogue and he thought that was kind of funny so we worked out a, a scene if you saw the movie mr roberts it, it was jack lemon and and henry fonda again yeah playing mr roberts and he did a thing where he would be Henry Fonda and I would be Jack Lemmon yeah. and do this scene. Right. And people got a big kick out of sure, it. Sure, why not? And so Kids are funny. You know, they are. And, <laughs> and if they can do the lines, yeah. it's kind of cute. Yeah. So he was wandering around making the rounds, which is a thing, that's the way actors got work in New York. Right. And had to just show up and say, got anything for me? You really? Know? Yeah, yeah. And Theater,
0: no matter what, the little role, couple bit, lines? Little roles, anything, and you yeah. got to
1: know the casting directors. Right. And you just hit the pavement day after day. Mm-hmm. and. hmm um, uh, and it would actually lead to work. Right. And one day he went in, and there was just a swarm of kids there, and he left a note saying, Rance Howard dropped by. Hey, by the way, I, I have a kid who's a fine actor. <laughs> and, and so they said, bring your kid in. Yeah. So I went in, and I did my scene, and they said, do you think he can learn anything else? He said, I have no idea. What, the
0: Jack Lemmon scene?
1: <laughs> yeah. We did the Jack <laughs> Lemmon scene for him. And, it, uh, and, it, uh, and here, now I don't remember any of that, mm-hmm. but I was still three, mm-hmm. and, they, and they did a, a screen test, they wanted to test me, uh, and, uh, and I actually, here's what I remember. I don't remember anything about the test, but I remember my dad teaching me the lines and telling me to really look in the other actor's eyes, really pay attention, listen to what they're saying, don't just think about the lines, yeah. think about what they're, he was teaching me good fundamentals. to listen. And, and then he had a buddy of his come over and hold uh, a tin can on a stick to be like a sound boom, yeah. and kinda shake it over my head, so that I wouldn't be distracted, <laughs> it's a little bit like you hear about Tiger Woods like yelling at him in his back. Tiger Woods' dad yelling at him yeah. in his backswing. Right. Well, this wasn't that harsh. If it's a boom guy boom, guy. boom guy. Don't know. Don't look at him. Yeah. Look at look at the actor right in the eyes. And and uh, so I wound up getting that part. Yeah. And they and my parents looked at each other and they said, "We're broke. Yeah. Um, we're never going to go to Europe. He's never going to have any money. Yeah. Let's." you know let's do this why don't we go and they would give him a part also yeah and you know he never has to act again i mean we'll just put this away this will be at least something for him right and good we'll, experience and we'll go to europe yeah and we did, yeah. And it was, the, and so when I got back,
0: and they gave him a part two, he had a part two, yeah.
1: And uh, that enabled my mom to come over. So mm-hmm. the company was cooperating, and we toured around afterwards, and 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 you know, and I went went to went to Venice and and other places. I worked with Yul Brenner. That yeah. was I remember him very vividly. You do, yeah. Why? Well, because he played this Russian um, uh, colonel or something who was guarding the, um, you know, he was part of the Hungarian Revolution. Yeah, he was guarding the border. Yeah. And we were a bunch of people on a bus and right. he was looking for somebody, kind yeah. of a Casablanca story. Yeah. And uh, he's got this one thing where he's supposed to fire down some vodka. Right. A shot and yeah. then and then bite the glass.
0: Break it? Break it. Yeah. With
1: his mouth. And oh, chew so on that's it. as
0: a three year old, that's pretty amazing.
1: It uh, was pretty amazing. But <laughs> what was really amazing is he did it. Yeah. And he saw that I was amazed and he said, Come here. And he sat me up on his lap and he said, Now this is sugar. This yeah. is not glass. Yeah. Never bite glass. <laughs> But in his Yule Brenner accent,
0: he wanted, uh, wanted to make sure you knew. But
1: it was, but man, I I loved the whole thing. I was yeah. I was, I was, I, was pl- I was like playing on these tanks. Yeah, they you know the Russian tanks. I was hanging out. I I thought it was uh, a blast. And my dad saw that I kind of could do it. And when he got back to uh, New York, the the business had changed that drastically, and television had really moved to the west coast and that's also where they were making a lot of westerns which he was well suited for so we just got in this car so it it
0: shifted from live to tape
1: kind of well it just production shifted yeah from from sort of New York based live stuff more to you know Warner Brothers became the big giant and Ziv and places like Uh that and so we just you, you know we we got in this this 52 plymouth and drove uh it's just you and your brother no my brother wasn't alive yet oh right my mom and dad and me yeah and we stopped in duncan and stopped at his at his where he grew up on his farm and yeah. and uh, i remember some of that and then we yeah. and we went and as a result of that his agent started putting me out on some things and i could do i did some live stuff and the fact that i could survive li- live and then i did some stuff where I became kind of part of Red Skelton's gang. Whenever he would do this Freddy the Freeloader bit, right? he would have these kids, including Jay North, who was later Dennis the Menace, Yeah. and we would do these bits. I mean, well, we did
0: this, you know, we, it weren't really bits. but yeah. and, uh, Do you remember Red Skelton? Really remember him, yeah. Because he had a TV show I mean, I remember when I was a kid, because you're about 10 years, 9 years older than huh. me, but I remember watching the Red Skelton show when it was on. It was big all the way into the, like,
1: 70 or 71. Right. So this was a this was like... Fifty nine. Wow. And, uh, and he was that popular for that long. Oh, he was, he was huge. He had been huge. Radio, movies, and all of it. And in fact, it was a really interesting moment. And, you know, I was always fascinated by it, and so was my dad. Like, the process was always interesting to me.
0: Of making the show? Of being around it, you know? Yeah.
1: And I remember one time, he's in his Freddy the Freeloader outfit, and he's kind of got a, you know, a small little dressing room, a portable yeah. room there, and I'm hearing this tape go, and then some lines, and then a laugh. And then he's playing it back, and the line, and a yeah. laugh. And a bunch of writers well, I didn't know they were writers, guys are st- stuck there, kind of looking, and he's talking to them very animatedly. And, I, and he said, I said, What's going on? And my dad said, Oh, that's from his old radio show, and he just wants them to do that bit, just right. like they did it before. And yeah. he's, he's trying to show them that it got a laugh. Right. <laughs> so yeah, right. it was really the process has always been. Really interesting. Well, to me.
0: It's, well, it's interesting that he lasted that long in the sense that a lot of those guys that came out of radio could not necessarily generate enough new material yeah. to to con- continue moving yeah. forward in the in the medium.
1: Well, it was the kind of the first sign of something that I learned growing up, and later even directing people like Betty Davis. But I acted with you know John Wayne and Henry Fonda and and people like that. And Andy, I could say the same thing about uh, Andy Griffith. Is and I can see it about a couple of my peers now yeah. who are enduring that. In my twenties, when I sort of said, "Well, all of these different personalities that I'm encountering, yeah, they're they're in their sixties, some of them in their seventies, they're still going strong," and it just occurred to me that the only thing they really had in common was that they. I could witness that they, they, they outworked everybody. Right. You know, their, their process was more meticulous. Yeah. They, they, they had, um, um, you know, they kind of brought their own quality control with them. They were, they had taste. Yeah. And they, they really knew what, you know, what it was all about and the business.
0: And the, the, the craft what they did, and, the craft, right. oh, the, the uh, craft of making a show, making a scene work, and they knew the 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 limitations and the the qualities yes. of their own talent, and and they and how to, to sort of uh, exploit it for themselves, and, or, they,
1: and they knew what to expect of other people or demand uh-huh. of other people.
0: Well, did you to are, raise their game, right? But when you were a kid, you know, in, in taking in all this, I mean, you're growing up on these sets. I mean, where where did they shoot uh, Andy
1: Griffith? Uh, we shot it over at a place that was then called Desilu Kawanga and now I think it's like. The Red Studios, and that was Desi Arnaz's. Studio? Yeah, Lucy and Desi owned a bunch of studios, and they did
0: there. then when you were there. So yeah, were and they, they were there, around?
1: They were on that lot. Yeah. yeah. In fact, so you, my my teacher, Catherine Barton, was also would teach uh, Little Ricky. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> played,
0: played by Keith David. Your, your set teacher? Yeah. So yeah. like, yeah, you, you, they were down the hall. Lucy and Desi were oh, on the other stage. Right. So you would go over there. I never went over there. Never. I, I did
1: go over one time and watch Bob. Uh, uh, no, Jack Benny uh-huh. uh, rehearsing. Oh, really? When that he was, was on pretty, the show.
0: He wasn't on our show. He but had he his on, own show. Oh, he. Oh, he shot there too. That lot
1: was kind of amazing. They had Van Dyke. They had. Uh, I talked
0: to him. He's still real together. Yeah, that's cool.
1: Yeah. Uh, Lucy, uh, Lucy Show, Lucy and Desi. Um, and then the Lucy show, us, uh, the Andy Griffith show. Then uh, uh, they had uh, as Jack, said, Benny. Jack Benny was there. Other, You know, uh, that girl, Hogan's Heroes, I Spy. All those shows were all around. Them. And
0: you were a kid watching all, well, I mean, was, Hogan's Heroes must have yeah. been later, right?
1: Uh, uh, Hogan's Heroes was always a little bit later. But I, that Andy Griffith show was on for eight years. Yeah. So I was became like the mayor of the lot. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but Jack Benny watching Jack Benny. I mean what what were you picking up cuz like I did you ever take any acting classes? No. But my dad was a hell of a good acting kid. Sure. Yeah. But but do you think in 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 retrospect having cuz I, I I struggle with this now or just sort of understanding it cuz I did some TV, uh did uh for a few years on um, on IFC mm-hmm. that it seems to me that a lot of acting uh, you there is a certain natural knack for it that right. has to yes. be there. Yeah. That you can't really teach.
1: Yeah, you can kind of, sh- you can sort of shape the process, right? The, the approach to the to the work, right? Um, but um, yeah, I don't, I don't, I'm, I'm not sure, I'm not sure that r- creativity at that level, yeah, can 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 really be taught. I think right. it can be learned, but yeah. the way it's learned is, is a very individual thing. I think people don't realize how creative they are. Uh-huh. And I think there are a lot of people who claim they aren't, yeah. and have no idea you know, sort of what they actually have to offer. Right. Uh, And, uh, you know, but I... And they might not know how to
0: facilitate the opportunity to get that out of them. Right.
1: But that's sort of elite level where people are... You know, or just somehow they connect. Yeah, you know, there's also something just intangible about their personality, is, right? their persona. Yeah, they're, you know, there's something that they have no control over whatsoever, except they they do
0: learn how to harness it. And they, and they fit on screen. Yeah, it's a very odd thing that it's. It, you look at some big actors in person, and you can't really understand why the camera likes somebody or doesn't. I, I get fooled by that as a director. You do. I mean, also. Well, I'll cast people. I,
1: I'll know they I'll know they're terrific. I'll yeah. be working with them. I love you know. I'm an actor's director. That's that's, yeah. that's my very favorite thing to do is to be in the middle of that process yeah. with them. Um, try to key, create the environment where each individual can kind of do what they do their way. Yeah, and still serve the you know the big the picture story big and story. the picture. Yeah, but but I'll there are times when I'm I'm watching and I'm and uh, and I think it's it's fine. It's solid. It's yeah. nothing special. <laughs> and then you go in and you start cutting it together and you say that. Look at that. Look at that nuance. Look at that I didn't even pick that up. Right. And I'm from an actor. I'm the guy who's trying to pay attention. Right. Uh, But look at look at what they did. That's interesting. look what that glance down means. I didn't even get it. (laughs) That's amazing. These people are artists. Right. I I don't think as an actor I was ever an artist. Uh I think I could do it. Right. But I think there's something intuitively that I, I felt I felt I had a ceiling. Well,
0: well, do you think that had something to do with uh, with the 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 jump or the difference between television and and film at that time, or no?
1: No, not so much because I think I avoided the bad trip, the bad habits. Right, p- pretty well. TV can you know can infuse people with uh, what especially just kids. Uh, getting stuck in a, a rut. Well, well, especially kid actors yeah. because. It, it you doesn't
0: end well sometimes.
1: It doesn't end a lot. It you know it doesn't yeah. end well a lot. which yeah. is unfortunate. but there's there are a lot of reasons. Yeah. And one of them is that in order to get a performance out of a kid. Yeah. It often becomes kind of like a trained animal. Right. Like, right. Right. Do that. Right. You know they don't. You know there's a tricking look, them into. A, there's it. a look you can do.
0: Yeah. yeah. You know yeah, yeah. or
1: uh, that they do and they start to lean on these cute tricks.
0: Like Shirley Temple syndrome, I well, guess you could call I, it. I like, think so. Yeah. And, yeah.
1: And. Uh, and and then sometimes um you know they you know if they don't if nobody's there to help them yeah they're just relying on it, and it works, and it works, and it works, and suddenly they're 14 or 15, and it looks dumb. Right. And, and, and in fact, with the, when they have the adrenaline going and they're yeah. performing, they fall back on that On the looks that, or that the trick.
0: gimmicks. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. So they
1: haven't really learned to build a character. They haven't really learned. And also with the pace of television, you sometimes there's nobody there to teach them, and,
0: and they're sure. just trying to
1: get the shots done. What,
0: what, when you say build a character, like you know, how does an actor do that? What, what have you witnessed or for yourself? Oh, some, some really remarkable, um, examples of
1: that. W- one of the, one of the first, and I keep learning. I yeah. mean, it's great. It's a, it's one of the best things about, about my job and career is yeah. that it's, it's not just that you go to interesting locations and solve creative problems there. Right. It's, it's this, it's the people that, that, sure. that coalesce us if, around these things, but, but I like, well, I'll tell you an example. Um, so, um, I'm still a pretty young guy. I was doing the movie Backdraft. Yeah, and, I like that movie. Oh, thank you. With De Niro, right? With De Niro, and yeah. I'm going to talk about De Niro because I learned a hell of a lot for him from him that I have used um, since. Mm-hmm. So, look, we were just thrilled to have Robert De Niro. It was he was getting paid a lot a week. Yeah, and in all honesty, he could just phone it in if he wanted to, and we'd be. Delighted right. with the part. Right. It was a kind of a tricky part. He was playing a fire investigator, an right. arson investigator. Yeah. A lot of tricky exposition and, and dialogue and so forth. And and he came to rehearsal. I love to rehearse. Always try to insist on that. He was cooperative. We were going through it very quietly, and Robert De Niro's style, yeah, this line, that. And then he he, he said, you know what I'd, I'd like to meet some some arson investigators. And he did, and we did. We set yeah. him up with some guys. Yeah. And he suddenly he was kind of hanging around with three different guys, and then he said, "I just had this guy read all my lines. I just like his accent, yeah, hmm and then anyway, one thing led to another he then he said, "Oh, could we push off my shooting for a week because i'd like to work on it a little more and he had to go to new York and Mayor Dinkins was there, and he was already a real estate magnate. You yeah. know, and, with going, and I thought, oh, okay, that's it's a good excuse, but he's got to right. go get an award, or right. give an award, yeah. or buy a building or yeah. something. Yeah. I, okay, but he's Robert De Niro, and we're thrilled. Sure, we can rearrange the schedule. Yeah. But he, he went to New York, he came back, and he spent the whole solid week dug in with these guys, with me coming and going. And I saw that what he started doing for this money job was he took the posture of one guy, he took the cadence of another guy. He took the cocky attitude and a couple of like, you know, wise ass kind of qualities of, uh-huh. of, of another guy. And, you know, not the most memorable uh, 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 character in his canon. Sure. But he, he was reflecting, he was giving back what his what he had learned. Uh-huh. And I realized that he was not a guy who invented. Yeah. He was a guy who reflected right and that's his process yeah and later on when i began doing movies that were inspired by real events i was i really i began to understand the value of that research right and that that really thorough let's let's see what it is first right before we start dreaming up you know what would be
0: cool right and instead of uh just somebody doing an interpretation of a character why not do the research to try to absorb as much of the character as and possible,
1: so I try not to force that on the actors, but I try to create an environment where there are, you know, there
0: are opportunities for that. And I guess the tricky thing about that is that you don't get an impression, but you get something with a little more depth. In yes,
1: that. yes. And and you know, as I began doing be- movies based on real events, it was, um, it, it surprised me. I was already an established director yeah. with good credentials, and I had avoided true stories because I thought, in some ways. They they would hamper my creativity. They, they would be it would be limiting, you know, cause, because because you had to
0: honor something. You
1: have to honor the story, right. you know. And um, but with Apollo thirteen, I became very caught up in the minutiae. Tom Hanks loved all of that and was a real champion for that. And we had, it was remarkable. I mean, it's great. It's a
0: great movie. I watched it again recently.
1: Oh, thank you. Interviewing people who'd walked on the moon, hanging around, the whole story turned, the whole approach to the movie turned because I went to Houston and sat in in the mission control room with 13 um, mission controllers. And they they talked about the story. And I began to realize, wait a minute, this is not just a survival story for these astronauts. It's a rescue story. And that gave it a lot more dimension and tension. I learned a hell of a lot. When we started previewing the movie the test scores were great and i by then i even had final cut and, yeah and and uh but i still like to preview i like to know yeah. you know although comics do it they they know what jokes are flying yeah. and what's not and but yeah. pl- you know playwrights do it they, sure. they uh, and uh so the, one of the very first screenings even before we had any of our visual effects finished or anything it tested great i mean it was like wow we've this is really remarkable um and 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 and, and still plenty of work to do but off to such a great start and there was only one person who marked it poor so out of 420 cards of course that's the one i gotta find course, right so away yeah, yeah so i dig through it um so what year was that uh, 95 uh-huh. so it's a uh, um um not very much information on the card just a lot of bold pencil strokes yeah caucasian male yeah 23 yeah Hated it. No, wouldn't recommend it. Poor. Blah blah blah. Finally, I, I couldn't figure out what this guy had against this movie. He flipped it. I flipped the card over, and on the back it said, "Please comment on the ending." And he said, "More Hollywood bullshit. They would never survive." <laughs> and I said, "Ah, well, of course he hasn't seen the advertising. He doesn't know it's a true story." Right. I said, "This is why you make true stories." <laughs> Is in fact, you know. Otherwise, I, I get slammed for being sentimental or too humanistic or yeah. something like that. Right. But with this story, yeah. it can, you, you know, you it can be as triumphant as that movie was. Right. and you own it, man. It <laughs> yeah. happened. Yeah, and so in, in the years since, I've you know, I've always I've I've been more more willing. Yeah, to to make uh, movies based on real events and TV shows and things like that. And of course, I and that was my subject in school anyway, history.
0: Oh, it was yeah. When you went to uh, oh, that
1: in journalism, yeah, I love I love being. Well, it's on the funny the paper. movie
0: The Paper. Yeah. You know, my uh, business partner and producer, who's uh, you know been in journalism you know his whole life, uh, you, you know that's what he said. That's what started him. That's really? what got him interested. You're it kidding. was that movie. Wow. Brendan oh. McDonald said that that turned him on that's, into a life of, of pursuing it.
1: That was a blast. I mean, I that was again that was right before I did Apollo 13, but I was fresh off the De Niro experience. Yeah, and I decided as a director to really immerse myself. And I hung out at the Daily News and the Post, yeah. And I got the cast to come and hang around, and, yeah. And I just wanted to, you know, it was fiction, but I wanted to infuse it with as much detail and a sense of of
0: of reality as well, possible. Well, when did the when did that sort of start happening? Because like I know, like being on movie sets, like, I have to assume that you know, like with John Wayne, who directed the shoot is Don Siegel. Oh right, he's a did, big
1: big deal. Did Dirty Harry, yeah.
0: Um, and, so, um, like you, as a young man, I mean, you know, before happy days, and you're doing all these TV. You work, you even did. You worked on what with Bob Denver and like everybody. I imagine, uh, yeah.
1: Gill- well, that was Dolby uh, Gillis. Uh, Dolby Gillis. Dobie yeah, Gillis. Yeah. and
0: like, uh, like I, you know, it's weird because when I picture those times, I can only picture them in black and white. Yeah. But you <laughs> saw them in color. <laughs> these were real people. They know? were. They were
1: actually real people with perspiration. <laughs> yeah, smoking, hiding cigarettes like yeah. under the table.
0: We. That's so funny <laughs> when you do TV and you realize, like, where do I put these sides? What about <laughs> yeah. the? this yeah, coffee's yeah. going to go there. Can you see it? Is that in? <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. I I was learning all of tricks, like, although I didn't smoke, but
0: right. Um, well, but, you managed to avoid all of that it seems, that, which probably I, saved you because you were like uh, like you're you weren't I guess you were still kind of a teenager when everyone started to get fucked up oh, on drugs. Oh, did. I mean when I I see I would move back and
1: forth between
0: um studio school. Yeah
1: when i was doing the show right. or or guest shots on other shows and then and then and i would go back to public school in burbank right and um and we and i the first year i did it i didn't like it very much because the kids were pretty tough how old were you Oh, well, that was like second grade, right. third grade. And it was a lot. I had to fight with people. Because you were on like, TV? Opie, dopey, soapy, yeah. dopey, dopey, opie. Yeah, That's yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. really. They, oh, all yeah. that yeah, that kind of shit, you know. <laughs> and it would get better. Yeah. And in fact, I told my parents, I don't know if I, you know, and they said, well, I don't know about this. And she, they said, well, stick it out and you, we, we could try private school next yeah. year and that might be better. Right. But once not you stick it out? And by, and by the end of the year, I, you know, I, I I liked it and wanted to come back and I came back every year, although I'd always have to stand up for myself, yeah, deal with bullies or whatever, yeah. it's at a certain point. But when I went to junior high, you know, that's a big deal because your elementary school that's kind of become safe and you yeah. know everybody right. empties out into a bigger school. Yeah. And <laughs> the first day that I'm I'm here and it was kinda a little traumatic because I was always coming back late and Andy Griffith Show was still on. It was a number one show. So everybody knew you. Everybody knew, and it was kind of crazy with all the halls, and 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 you know, like this one girl said, "Sign my leg." Mini skirts were in then, right? Right. So I, you know, I said, "I can't sign your leg," you know, but uh, (laughs) (laughs) she was a dangerous ninth grader, (laughs) and uh, and. And uh, you know, and, and then stuff happened, like I was trying to play basketball at the lunch break yeah. and my f- fly went down and everybody was like pointing at my at my crotch and yeah. laughing and yeah. stuff and I was I didn't know whether to zip it up right. or just ignore it. I right. tried to play it cool. Fortunately I made a couple outside jumpers that helped. Uh, but with the fly open. Uh, uh, with or close? The fly, oh, I fly open, man. I just went for it. I just I'm not gonna acknowledge you these owned people. it. Yeah. I owned it. And then but then <laughs> then by the like at the end of the day, this giant you know, when you're in junior high, I was tiny. I was yeah. like, you know, not even five feet tall. This sort of six foot tall guy, big giant belly, came over with hair hanging down. He said, "Hey Opie, you want to buy a lid?" <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea what he was talking about at that point. I figured it out a day or so later. Yeah, yeah. And I, I didn't, I didn't make that acquisition.
0: Yeah, it's not your thing.
1: It wasn't my thing. My dad, pretty clean living guy. Yeah. Um. And but I would say, you know. Also kids were getting pretty fucked up. I mean yeah. like like reds were a big deal. Yeah. And people were like collapsing in their beds. Uh, well not so much speed. Well they would take some yeah. speed, but m- there was more of the downers. Oh really? Yeah, these reds. Yeah. And they would take them and like I wonder what drug
0: that was. Phenobarbital? Uh, F- uh, pro- coilo- something, something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. And uh and they would just like fall on the floor and the yeah. cops would come. I mean yeah. it was, it, it, was Scared you. it was it was it was a little scary, but more than anything there was a kind of a um I mean, I'm an introvert for starters. Yeah. But there's there was kind of an expectation that I was going to party, yeah. that I was going to have a lot of money, that I when a cars when when it came yeah. to buying a car, I'd get a great car. Right. And I played against all that because I felt like that's what they that's what they, they wanted
0: to see Opie go down. They wanted they wanted go up and go, go down. Up and go down. They
1: you know they 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 wanted me to play into some idea of what uh-huh. they thought a movie star was. Right. And my my dad's mantra to me like yeah. when I when I was younger and he said. And you know, and they'd say, "What's it like to be a movie star? What's right. it like to be a star?" Right. Yeah. And I said to my dad, I said, I don't, "They keep asking me this question." Yeah. And you know, I was probably nine or ten or something, you know. And he said, "Well, you're not really a star, you know. You're yeah. an actor on a television show, <laughs> and which is a great thing to be. But people like to simplify it, and so they're going to call you a star. But right. I don't think that's really the way you need to see it." Yeah. You know. He said, "But here's what you should tell them. You should ask them if they like have a paper route or anything." And because uh, most of the guys then in those days had paper routes,
0: really, yeah,
1: so, yeah, they fold the papers in the morning, yeah, put the rubber bands around them, deliver them, come back, get get their books, and go yeah. to school. Right. He says, well, why don't you tell them that you have to do the same thing? You got to get up in the morning, but instead of folding the papers, you have to learn your lines. Yeah. Instead of putting the rubber band around, you got to you got to go in there and and do it. Instead of delivering yeah papers to a door, you have to deliver lines on a set. Yeah. And then you get to go home and play basketball or go to school or whatever it is you're doing. And you know, I kind of bought that.
0: Oh yeah. That worked for me. Yeah. Yeah. Oh that was good. You have to you have to sit with Andy Griffith and say the same thing over and over again for a few.
1: (laughs) Yeah. It's not all fun. It's work. Yeah. It's it's
0: actual work. I've I've started to realize that that people don't really understand that. Mm -hmm. That like the actual time you spend acting on anything. It's oh. like it's just this flash You yeah a lot of waiting around uh, uh, yeah. drifting out of character, oh. like trying to remember your lines they're like, all right, you're up your coverage you're like oh, oh shit y- yeah. yeah oh shit
1: is right and I'll tell you when I when I f- finally began directing uh, professionally, I say finally because I I really wanted to direct my first feature while I was still a teenager yeah that was my goal yeah and I wound up being right the day after my 23rd birthday was when we started shooting, which was of course fine yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, uh, I loved it. You know, I, I absolutely loved it. But the interesting thing was, I had to be in that movie in order to to do it, so it was exhausting. The next movie I didn't have to be in; it was a TV movie I directed. And, it, and what was the first movie? It was called Grand Theft Auto.
0: And that was a Corman, movie? Roger Corman.
1: When when I was just when I realized I'm just directing, mm-hmm. it's a different energy. Yeah. You get there, you hit the ground. There's a lot of questions. You better be prepped. You start right. dealing with it, and your your energy kind of soars. But it holds at that level. Right. And I found it less exhausting. Than a tough day of acting with the, with the elevator ride all day long right. up and well, down yeah, because and then you're the, in the, it and the self doubt yeah. Oh, yeah you know did I is is they they printed it yeah but was it really any fucking good I yeah. don't think so it right. felt shitty yeah blah, blah. you every actor goes through it I don't yeah. care how many words they've got
0: yeah
1: it's it goes with the territory sure I didn't like that too much yeah. I much rather just you know say no it went <laughs> shitty I could see it went shitty because I'm the guy yeah yeah <laughs> and I know why it went bad yeah uh, or. I think we got it, yeah. And and at least the buck stopped with me, and that yeah. suited me a lot better.
0: Right. Well, I mean, and I imagine when you, they printed it, that like back then you didn't have. Now you can shoot something a hundred times. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't. Oh, matter. yeah. No. Especially television was really precious, but movies movies were that way too. I mean, they they didn't do a lot of takes. The, the, it's an amazing thing to think that there was a time where you know people who wrote on typewriters, you, you know, you can't just cut and paste and move things yeah, around. Yeah, yeah. There was a narrative to things that happened, you know, in analog time. And uh-huh. so so. So, like, you know, we only had a few takes. Yeah. Because we don't, have, how much film do we have? How right. much time do we have? Yeah. Uh, and I think that changed a lot of things. I don't know for the better. I guess for the better, but it's hard to know. I like it. Yeah. I like it. I Having I, more
1: options. I like digital. Yeah. I, 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 I like the options. I like shooting in that style. Yeah. I like experimenting. Yeah. It frees up more time to experiment. Sure. Because I love having a plan. Yeah. I feel like that's my job, is yeah. to come with the plan that, that you know, that. You know, on a good day won't fail us.
0: But you shot some movies on film, though. A lot of, I I imagine. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I've only recently
1: gone digital. Um, I was kind of slow to to the party. Why? Because of what? Oh, just the cinematographers I was working with. Oh, really? Yeah. It wasn't my own meticulous sense of, of, um, you know, film. Um, and I'm, I'm not sure I buy that 24 frame right. flicker yeah, yeah, hypnosis yeah. Yeah. argument that, yeah. that, uh, that 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 is somehow lost with digital. Right. I don't believe it. When I go to a movie, yeah. if the story's working, sure, if it's compelling and well told. I'm sure. into it. Yeah, yeah. Of
0: you course. know, yeah, and yeah. and so I I, I can I watch it on my own phone account. and I'm yeah. engaged.
1: I hate to admit it, but <laughs> yeah. <yes. laughs> when it know. works, it works. Yeah,
0: but when did you really start making note? Like you, you know, you did Andy Griffith, and then you, you know, Happy Days happened. Kind of, it was a fluke, right?
1: Well, I, I was already interested in being. Happy Days was a bit of a fluke. Uh, I I was interested in directing when I was when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. And uh,
0: so you were watching directors as a kid. Do you know mm-hmm. Ernest
1: T. Ba- Ernest T. Bass character from the Andy Griffith Show? He would throw rocks through the windows oh, yeah, and, yeah, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And, and played by a great guy f- from your show shows uh, Howard Morris. Uh-huh. And Howard Morris uh, directed some of the episodes. Uh-huh. And of course, he was not a goofy guy at all. And he was right. funny, but very you know sophisticated. He's a professional entertainer. Professional, yeah. <laughs> and uh, one time he was lining up a shop. Yeah, and he, and I I had to be in a car and I had to keep going left left left. Yeah, and finally I I could get in the frame. I was now about ten. Probably. Yeah, and my ribs were jammed up against the knob and it really yeah. hurt. Right, and I said this this is hurt this really hurts. He says yeah. good in film acting that's that's when you know you're in the right spot. <laughs> <laughs> but he was actually the first guy who said, you know I see you watching. Yeah, you're going to direct. Yeah. And I thought that was, you know, I mean, I remember it very vividly.
0: And how old were you when you did uh, the John Wayne movie? 21. So it was right before you started. but like, cause... Well, I'd been on Happy Days already. Right. But I mean, but in terms of directing Oh, in terms film, of directing, yes,
1: yes. Because, like,
0: how much film had you done up to that point? I know you just, did a just lot home... of television.
1: I, 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 well, the, films, the, the film acting were things like Music Man when I was a kid or American Graffiti. American Graffiti. Yeah. And that happened before Happy Days, right? Well, Happy Days pilot actually happened before American Graffiti. That's bizarre. And it didn't sell. It was a spin-off, an episode of. Uh, they buried this pilot in an episode of uh, Love American uh, Style. Love American
0: Style, and that was Gary Marshall, Gary right? Gary Marshall,
1: and great late great Gary Marshall. Yeah. I miss him so much already. But uh, but uh, uh, it didn't sell, and it was a much calmer, milder tone. It was mm-hmm. more like the movie Summer of '42. It was kind of nostalgic,
0: the so, Happy Days. Pilot. Yes, this episode. Yeah,
1: and uh, but then so it didn't sell. But American Graffiti came out and was a big hit. And everybody was running to do stuff about the 50s and, and 60s and stuff. And, and Gary said, well, you know, we have that, show. In fact, you got the guy. And I don't do a very good Gary, <laughs> yeah, do I? Yeah, but, uh, it's all right. Uh, uh, and they made me audition again, the bastards. <laughs> but he threw it my way. He yeah. gave me like three hours for my audition yeah. scene. Uh, but Anson Williams and I had to audition again. Potty. Yeah, but we got, we got the gig. But the uh, American Graffiti—you were just brought in as an actor.
0: I mean, yeah, you're... yeah.
1: In fact, one one of the guys who was a, a like, an executive producer and as kind of a consultant on it was Francis Coppola's producing partner, a guy named Fred Roos, uh-huh. who's still around. Dynamic guy, really one of those sort of unsung heroes who really helped shape the the culture of the seventies. Yeah. But he had been a casting director on the Andy Griffith Show, among an, a bunch of other shows. Sure. And he used to put like unbelievably cool people like Harry Dean Stanton and and Jack Nicholson was on an Andy Griffith show. A couple of ja- of of Andy Griffith show really? episodes. he was in it. He knew who was happening. And when he started working with Coppola, he was the one finding Harrison Ford and Cindy Williams. Really, and Rick Rick Dreyfuss Yeah, Yeah, and all these people. You know, yeah. he just knew where the where the he had a, he had a Pacino. Sense of
0: it. He just knew he had great taste and still does. Um, he had Jack Nicholson on the Andy, Andy Griffin Griffin show twice when Jack was doing Corman movies or yeah uh, yeah right. yeah do you remember
1: him barely yeah I didn't yeah, have yeah. much to do in his episode yeah I don't really remember I just remember I remember the, the show and I remember seeing him. but uh, uh oh we had a lot I, I mean, love there, I love that but the, but so stories so he, of that he put me in so he he's the one he didn't he, put me in it I had right, to audition he, like six times but he put me
0: up for for right. graffiti and when did when you met uh, Lucas uh, what kind of character was he early mm-hmm. on unbelievably quiet uh-huh.
1: but I already knew about him because I'd already been accepted to USC film school and he was already a kind of a god there for THX, for THX 1138 yeah. and so he was 10 years older than me so he was 28 at the time and he'd made one feature and now he's doing this and on the cover it said American Graffiti a musical but or no but there was no script yet it was just kind of this yeah. call sheet you know and I went and I said now the thing about it is I um, I'm an I I I, uh, I know it says musical. Yeah, I know I was in the Music Man. Yeah. in all honesty, I think they thought it was it was cute that I couldn't carry a tune. Yeah. I, I really can't. Yeah, I certainly can't dance. Right. And he said, "Oh no no no, it's not. A, it's it's a musical, but it's you don't have to sing." Right. He never really explained it. Well, his mind is he wrote a he wrote every scene for a song, uh-huh. and that made it a musical. Uh huh. In his mind, uh-huh. so he's just a lateral thinker. He's just yeah. outside the box. He took. Six months to cast that movie, but he also took six months to find the cars. Yeah. So when I made that movie with him and got that part, I had to, I had to go through everything: improv, um, auditions, straight, you know, auditions. Uh, really, just conversations. It was, and he never with said, all the other
0: cast members. Yeah,
1: mixing and matching and so forth. Like you and Richard, and, and, you, and you and well, mostly Cindy me and, and Cindy. Yeah. You know, he he was concentrating on the pairs. Yeah. And uh, we auditioned together, and and um, but the you know i learned i learned so much and when i went to san francisco he still wasn't talking much <laughs> but we're making this movie and yeah. he just would do three takes with two cameras yeah. and then he would say terrific and move on and i finally i went up and i said i know you're saying terrific and i and i and i hope you mean it but i you know i mean i can take direction if you have anything for <laughs> me you know <laughs> and he said this weird thing he said i, I don't have time to direct right now he said, "I'm going to direct in the editing room," and uh, and you know he didn't really know ever know how to talk to actors very much. Yeah. It wasn't what he did, it yeah. and and he created unbelievable freedom. Like there were no marks. Yeah. It was everything, every rule that I understood about film acting, right. was shattered. Right, and I had the, I had a blast. And there were also, I still wasn't smoking pot, but there were people smoking pot. There were hippies. There were women on the set and yeah. the crew who had really important jobs. Yeah i hadn't seen that before right it was this whole counterculture movement thing happening that was uh really you know really incredible
0: but you had seen the old style where there was this sort of weird hierarchy and people wore ties and yeah yeah, all of that
1: right and i did have haskell wexler who who passed away last year great cinematographer was helping out with this movie and, and kind of guiding it he did come over to me and he could say you know I know, I know the way George is doing this is great and all that, but it is nice that you know your way around because you actually hit the light. <laughs> <laughs> so subconsciously, I knew to find that freaking light. <laughs> that's beautiful. Oh.
0: and that's, so. But that's a big lesson to learn. So most of that stuff, I guess, was shot in a wide, you, you no, know?
1: No, no, a lot of coverage, but he would do two cameras and right. just keep moving in with sizes. Right. You do these long dialogue scenes, and it was very stylish. But and it had, was
0: scripted ultimately?
1: Yeah, it was scripted. You had you had the freedom to improvise, mm-hmm. and like Dreyfus improvised a lot. Paul Amad yeah. improvised a lot. Cindy and I were a little more. We rehearsed it and drilled it, right? And right? And kind of did it, you know, more yeah, as it yeah, was written because yeah. we liked what we liked it, and it was all kind of up to us you know uh-huh. there was this cool guy named gino havens who was fred Roos' assistant casting director uh-huh. who was around as a dialogue coach and his job was just to make sure people knew their lines because they were going so fast yeah but he was also kind of helpful he was a, yeah. he was you know pretty good pretty good um, uh support system
0: and the movie was a huge hit
1: when i saw it cut together i saw just a few scenes yeah. on, like on the day we wrapped right and you know i loved film by this point i sure. mean i was making films yeah and i and i said wow I now I understand what he's doing, and it was just it was just revelatory. I had no idea whether people would like it or not. Did you
0: use like did you integrate those lessons you know into your own style of directing? I mean, were you at, able to did I, it help you provide the space for
1: actors? It it uh, at later I began to do it. At first, I was a little too rigid because I was an actor, yeah. and and I was kind of frustrated. Thankfully, these were short films. Yeah, but. I, I was a little frustrated that I was getting pros to come be in my short films and the performances weren't very good.
0: You did like two or three of those? Yeah. Yeah.
1: And, and I thought, I wonder what was going on. And then I acted for another guy um, in a TV movie yeah. named Tom Grice. Uh, and I loved him. Yeah. And at the end of it, I realized he'd only given me about three or four directions. Right. And I began to to learn to trust actors and be and 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 try again get to this 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 place where I realized my my job was to to keep them out of trouble yeah but create an environment where they could really flourish and I've extended that you know I try to do that for the cinematographers. I try to do it for the for the for the production designers and i and I love working with everybody and collaborating with everyone and that's that's the really the the thrill for me. I don't give them their head exactly. yeah, you know the, I'm still a keeper of the story right. Uh, and I understand their jobs and their problems and I can see when they're maybe making trying for a shortcut that they shouldn't. yeah uh, and 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 I and I don't I don't really go for that but um but i uh, I really just enjoy kind of lead, leading the expedition it's always it's always a bit of an adventure you know? and,
0: and you're and you're so engaged with it it's great so you do it's but it's interesting to me that you know you do Opie for half your life and then you do Richie Cunningham for another what, okay. eight or nine years uh yeah seven and a half years yeah and and like the, you're one of those guys that you know in my mind you're always gonna be that guy
1: yeah, yeah. well and then when I did Saturday night <laughs> Live, you know uh, uh Eddie Murphy improvised and called me Opie Cunningham which wasn't ever in it but I got... <laughs> Boy, was he ever, he, I mean, that was unbelievable to see this 18 or 19 year old kid. Right who you know powerhouse a, a genius yeah, i mean yeah. undeniable yeah so kind of same thing as when we saw robin williams come on the happy sure. Day set and just oh, kind of right. blow us all away as Mork. right which wasn't supposed to be a series it wasn't anything it was just yeah. this guest shot yeah and they couldn't even cast this thing yeah you know like jerry paris who was our beloved director and kind of a comedy genius yeah was almost like he was begging dom Deloise to come do it right you know and just oh, to, really just to save us because it was now wednesday and we had to shoot friday and we still couldn't cast Anyone then that. So would Dom DeLuise
0: almost stood in the way of Robin, uh, of Mark
1: and Mindy. Yeah, he wasn't available. So. Oh, thank God, uh, Dom
0: DeLuise <laughs> wasn't available. He wouldn't have had. Uh, it's weird how history works like that. When
1: Robin came in with his suspenders and the whole thing. Henry Winkler and I were just, you know, just kind of. It was like it was like uh, Nirvana. It was yeah, amazing to just to, watch. Be, be, to yeah. watch it and be in scenes with this guy, and
0: he and, could go anywhere. Yeah, and Winkler's such a sweet guy. He's, great, guy. he's been here.
1: Yeah, I yeah. talked oh, to him. Yeah, good, yeah. He's a great man.
0: He's really a good guy. Like you know, man like, a man of integrity.
1: Yeah, and like of, you, you know, I grew integrity.
0: up with you guys. Like I guess I don't remember how old I was, but I watched it. It was right. important to me. I, I said a, hey. you know, okay. <laughs> and you know, and I, I enjoyed the show. But but it's it's odd to me that had you just decided to continue a career as an actor it would have been a a really tricky thing for you well i i you know if i was
1: lucky right now i'd be the granddad on a sitcom somewhere right
0: (laughs) right but you Uh, know which isn't a bad gig by the way no i I know but you you don't look my nose that
1: granddad's on sitcoms
0: but but you would have had to sort of um well, if I got a hairpiece, I, maybe I could still play the dad. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think so, but you would have still been fighting that role,
1: the, you know. Like, yeah, I don't could... think I. I think it would have been, re- you know, really problematic. But I sensed, I sensed all that. But it's other this other thing.
0: So, how did you get involved with Corman? I mean, when? So you're okay. going to direct a movie?
1: Here's here's the way it went. It, it, the, I, I, I was sending out my father and I had written a script that I liked and I had raised half the money. To make it, so your old man was involved. Yeah, is in in, not in that movie, but in another one. Yeah, in in we were going to make it as an independent movie.
0: Yeah, yeah, and that was
1: the idea. And it was a pretty good script. And I I had half the dough from Australia, I thought, and I needed investors. Investor from Australia. And and I just saw, guy. Well, this guy named Reg Grundy who yeah. ran uh, the, a, their version of ABC. And, oh, okay. And supposedly he was going to get put up the money. Yeah. And Happy Days was a big uh, hit there. So
0: you used a little bit of your traction. I did. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. And uh, I mean, I left film school to do Happy Days. Um, so you uh, never finished film school. No, no, uh-huh. I never went back. Uh, but but it was still useful. Yeah. The um, so. Roger sent me so good movie roles weren't really coming my way, even with American Graffiti and things. I was doing Happy Days. Roger sent this movie called Eat My Dust. Yeah. And I and I knew all about Roger Corman, yeah. be movie king. I knew he had started Bo- Peter Bogdanovich and Everybody. Francis Coppola yeah. and Martin Scorsese. Yeah. And so we already had that, you know, that, that behind him. And. and and I said, "God, eat my dust! This script is terrible, terrible." <laughs> but I, I remember the movie uh, <laughs> coming out; well, it made money, right? It made money. Yeah. Well, I mean, that was key to the whole thing. So I went in, and my agent of my childhood agent was mm-hmm. there, um, re- really great guy named William Shuler, and he met me. I said, I'll, "I'm going to meet. I've got my script. Eat my dust." But I have a plan, <laughs> and I told Bill, who was sixty year old man, you yeah. know, I said, "You can't come to the meeting with me." So, so I'm this. 20-year-old. Yeah. You can't come to the meeting. I'm going to talk to him about some things, and I I just don't know that it's going to be helpful if you're there.
0: Yeah.
1: So I'm basically like, I'm not firing him, but I mean, he was really pissed. Right. And and I wouldn't let him come in. And I knew it was probably what I was going to pitch was going to cost me and him money. Right. So I went in, and I said, to be honest, I don't love eat my dust. (laughs) 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 Let me be transparent here. But... I've made some short films. Here they are. Yeah. And I ha- here's a script my father and I wrote. Right. And I think I have half the money. Yeah. I got 150k. If I could get another 150 from you in a distribution deal, I could make that. And I would do that. I would be and eat my dust if you'll do those things. Nice. So he said, "Okay, let me read it." And he'll look at your short films. And then he called me back in. He said, "All right, look, what you've made is a really interesting." Slice of life. It's kind of an American art film. That's, 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 that's kind of what the script is. We don't do those. Yeah. But your, 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 your shorts are good. Yeah. They cut together well. I can understand why that you can direct. I can see that you can direct. So here's what I'll do. I won't promise you another picture. He spoke in this very erudite, deep baritone voice. He uh, he was from MIT. Uh, And he said, I won't guarantee you another picture, but I have second units running on most of my movies. And if you act and eat my dust and it's successful, then I'll let you and your father write another script. If I like the script, I'll make it and you can direct it, providing you star in it. If none of that works, I'll guarantee you a job directing second unit on one of my car crash movies. (laughs) Well, I wasn't exactly, you know, <laughs> well, I didn't feel I wasn't going to win any Oscars doing the car crashes. <laughs>
0: That's funny that you went in with this like very oh, yeah. clear deal. Yeah. yeah. And all uh, of a sudden the best offer is you're going to be a I'm s- second, n- direct- the second Second unit director. <laughs>
1: but I took it. Yeah. I took the deal. Yeah. Much to my agent's chagrin. And I'm sure, you know, Roger killed us on the money a little bit, but I didn't care. Did it eat my dust? I did eat my dust at the same time I was doing Happy Days and the Shootist, so I kind of just wedged it in there. It's on the weekends I'd go be in this out to, you know, the Saga Speedway or something and be in this 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 crazy yeah. movie. So eat my dust worked. Yeah. And I and he said okay, let's let's develop a script. I went in and pitched all kinds of art arty arty ideas and a sci-fi thing. Yeah. And he said. Ron, those are very interesting ideas, and I really enjoy having an actor tell me the stories. Yeah. (laughs) He said, however, when we were testing titles for Eat My Dust, there was a title that came in a very close second, Grand Theft Auto. If you can fashion a car crash comedy, starring yourself, of course, that we can correctly entitle Grand Theft Auto, I'd probably make that picture. Uh, yeah. My dad and I had an outline like 24 hours later. We had a script a week late. It was the fastest green light I've gotten in my entire <laughs> career. And that got me my chance to direct for, for Roger.
0: And, and Grand Theft Auto is still culture in the cultural... Well, uh, because they did the video game yeah. that, had,
1: that Roger kept
0: trying to sue them for.
1: But it had uh-huh. nothing to do with the movie. Did he ever time. get
0: any money for that? No, he never did. He never did. Uh, but it's still in the culture. that w- I remember when that movie came out because I was a kid. I learned so much. You did? Yeah, yeah. Because you well, directed it.
1: Well, I directed it. And he was a great teacher. And the, the How so? Well, well. First, a lot of mechanical things about just managing your day. He also forced the young directors to diagram shot list and really thoroughly prep. So that was
0: all really to important. save money. Yeah,
1: yeah. Well, to save money, to be efficient. Yeah. And he said, you know, I, I, I will, you know, I'll be there the first day. But if and if you stay on schedule, that's the only time you'll see me. Yeah. But if you're struggling, you'll see a hell of a lot of me. Right. He also told me another story. We were doing this car crash. It wasn't a story it was a it was a, an edict We're doing the this finale uh, dem, uh, demolition derby uh, scene in at the Saga Speedway and it's supposed to be this big riot and this kind of mad mad world kind of crazy thing and I'm only allowed 47 extras and I'm kept saying God I just don't know how to I can I can put them in a pie shape and try to stretch out the frame yeah. and, but I don't know I, you know and they just kept saying go in and ask Roger go in and ask Roger you can get more so I went in and I said Roger, 100 would be helpful. 75 would would even work. But 47, I don't know how to make this big. I kept arguing with him, arguing, because the movie was going pretty well. And finally, he put his hand on my shoulder and smiled. He's a tall guy. And he said, Ron, let me explain this to you. If you do a good job for me on the rest of this picture, you'll never have to work for me again. (laughs) But you've only got 47 extras. (laughs) And I never did work for Roger again, but I gave him a cameo <laughs> in Apollo 13 later, which is a lot of his directors, like Jonathan Demi and others.
0: <laughs> they did, yeah, put, I've him seen in, in, and, put him in the movie. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's hilarious, and 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 you did learn a lot. That was yeah. hands on. I also learned a lot uh, in post. Um, we shot an added ending. Who I else saw... was in that movie with you?
1: Well. My brother Clint was in it. A guy, a a comic named Pete Isaacson was in it. Marion Ross played a part. Uh Gary Marshall played a part. You Uh know, Uh, not not you know, it wasn't it wasn't uh, star studded, Uh, (laughs) but it was uh, a lot of sympathetic people. Well, that's funny about your brother
0: because like he had this parallel. You know, yeah. child actor career. He did, he did, and uh, you use him in. You, he usually shows up in a lot of your movies. I love
1: working with him. Yeah, I love working with him. Uh, and and you guys are pals. Oh yeah, we've we've stayed close. Okay. You know, yeah, we've stayed close. <laughs> but, you know, he's he's his own dude, and and, and rightfully so. Yeah. Uh, um, but he
0: shows up in Apollo thirteen. I think he in Frost yeah. Nixon. He's there and like yeah. a lot of movies. Yeah, yeah no, he's good. he's, yeah. he's
1: a great. He's a, he's he's one of those guys that just he he's he's had so much experience, that not only can he be funny. Not, you know, not only is he always prepared, but like you cannot, you can't throw him. Yeah. You know, if you say lean to your left and thing yeah. and then do the line. Yeah. I mean, it just, he's He'll just, do he's it. just do it. He just yeah. do it and make it happen.
0: I remember Gentle Ben. Kind
1: <laughs> of. He's like the greatest utility player.
0: Right. You know? <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. good that you guys are pals yeah. still. Yeah. It, you know, because that, that doesn't, doesn't always, always happen. Work. I know. I know. So, all right. So now you're on your way and I know we can't obviously go movie to movie, but there, there are certain movies that were, you know, defined you. Yeah. Uh, you know, after Grand Theft Auto, I guess the the big one was, was Night Shift, right?
1: Yeah, that was huge because it also brought Brian Grazer and I together. So yeah. it was my first studio movie, right? And uh, you know, and it was the beginnings of our of this of the partnership that became a partnership. Imagine Entertainment, Entertainment. Yeah. Yeah. the the
0: the 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 huge. <laughs> Imagine Entertainment.
1: <laughs> well, it's only huge when, uh, when Mitch Hurwitz puts it in Arrested Development. <laughs> he makes us look like we're the the monolith, you know. On the...
0: <laughs> well, that well, that's another thing that I don't think people realize is that you had the Colonel. You were the guy who came up with that idea in a way.
1: Well, yes and no. I came up with. I had a, I had a an aesthetic in mind for yeah. for 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 sitcoms yeah. that would borrow a little bit more from the, uh, what I thought was a kind of a, 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 a new television grammar based on reality shows, based on what I was seeing on the internet yeah. and so forth. And, and I, I, I thought that you could create a, a sort of a density of comedy like they do on The Simpsons. If, yeah. you, if you use that, if you had a narrator, if you did a lot of flashbacks. Uh-huh. So I had a, a style. Mitch had the characters. he, He loved the idea of applying that style to this set of characters who I think kind of sadly might have something to do with his childhood.
0: Oh yeah, <laughs> he's a great guy I haven't interviewed him but I know he's doing my friend Maria's show and uh, you know he's a very uh, he's brilliant. important Br- comedic dude brilliant guy and I think that you know that what you brought to it sort of I think changed television a little bit it seems I mean it seems yeah that that I think style, it was in, I think it was in the ether because I the think single camera ish
1: yeah but they were you know they were doing a similar thing with the with the BBC version of The Office
0: yeah and Larry uh, Sanders I guess did some of that in a yeah,
1: way. Uh, yeah yes yes so you know I, I think I think I think I think people who were paying attention were beginning to see a possibility
0: so uh so when you do something like night shift it's your first studio movie and you and Brian Grazer is a producer at that time and that's how you met mm-hmm. and you've got you know you've got your friend Henry Winkler. yeah and Henry you got, made
1: that movie happen yeah well because we couldn't cast it cause, right because you know I nobody um you know nobody would really they 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 you know they were friendly but they wouldn't work with us we tried desperately the 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 green light combo right was Bellucci and Aykroyd. uh-huh and we tried desperately, and Dan was into it. Yeah. He was going to play the Henry Winkler part. Right. And he thought, you know, that that John would be great playing yeah. the Michael Keaton part, and we all did. And, we, I mean, like one, we had such adventures trying to chase down Belushi. And,
0: <laughs> Didn't uh, everybody?
1: Well, yes. I, <laughs> I mean, one time we heard, you got, he's, he's going to, we were in Manhattan casting, yeah. Brian and I. He's going to be Crosstown. He's only going to be there until 12. Can you get there? It was like, you know, 11.35. Yeah, yeah we can get there. We we jumped in the cab. And it was
0: a club or something?
1: Or? I, no, I, I don't Yeah, some kind of yeah. club or something. Yeah. yeah, there was a pool table there and stuff. Yeah. And uh, this is this during the day. Yeah. But so we jumped in the cab and, and it was traffic. And Brian said to the cab driver, we'll give you a lot of money if you can get us here on time. Yeah. And he said, how much? And he said, $10. <laughs> 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 we, we weren't thinking big in those yeah, days. Yeah, yeah, right. Uh, and so we had to jump out and jump in another cat. And we got there like five minutes till. Yeah. And, and, and he was just casual, drinking yeah. beers. And we hung around the whole time. Right. No, no real shenanigans, just fun, yeah. easy conversation. And he said he'd read it. We gave him the script. He never read it. Yeah. We saw Dan. Oh, you got to get him to read it. And and so That's the next
0: step? We, oh, you got you him the get, script. You now got you got to get and it. Now you
1: got him to read it. So, so now- we're moving along, but we still don't have a green light. Brian and I have this office, um, and o- over on the on the on the Warner's lot. Yeah. And uh, and we're told he's doing reshoots for a movie called Neighbors. Yep. And so he said, Ron, you got to go over there with another script and try to get to Belushi and give him the script, put it in his hands. So I went over there. I did, and I'm walking <laughs> along. T- I kind of I stepped on some some there's some crunchy glass under my feet and it turns out they were like little Coke vials <laughs> they were everywhere <laughs> yeah. uh, and I'm kind of walking around finally I find John he's you know and they're doing this reshoot and I watch and 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 uh, uh, hang out a while and I go in and it's punk rocker was in there with him in his bus and we hang hanging around all cool very good very friendly yeah oh man I'm so sorry I forgot to read that you know yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll I'll give it a look. And he, and I gave him the script and I headed back and it was, I had to hang there like two hours. Yeah. So now I'm on my way back and I think, oh, Brian is kind of a nervous, anxious guy. Yeah. Um, you know, I wonder what he's on pins and needles. And I, this is maybe where I've drifted into, as I said earlier, once in a while I could be an asshole. Yeah. So I walked in the door and he said, how'd it go? Yeah. And I said, I had to hit him. (laughs) <laughs> he said what he's holding his face i said what was i gonna do i'm trying to hand him the script saying come on john he's yeah. got some hot coffee he f- he fucking throws the hot coffee on me i duck it and then he <laughs> comes to push me what am i gonna do i popped him i'm you know i mean i'm not i'm not just gonna take it he's and then here this is where i fell in love yeah. with brian grazer yeah. i know how ambitious he is this yeah. is his movie idea yeah he drops to the, to, the, to the couch. He's holding his face. And you know what he says? He what? says, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry I put you in that position. That's what he says. <laughs> I couldn't take it. I said, Brian, I gave him the script. There's no coffee. There's no hit. You know, I love you, man. Uh, and uh, that was kind of, I think, in a lot of ways yeah. where the
0: partnership was really born. And, and then we like, didn't get Belushi well yeah I think he died soon after he died right? while we were shooting oh yeah and in
1: fact I was direct Belzer was on the uh, yeah. on in, in night shift yeah and he was shattered yeah shattered you know because he was on the set the day we found out and horrible and I you know and I said we tried to get John he said I wish I wish he'd said yes because he
0: needed to be working might have saved his life I was I remember I was in college my freshman year of college when that happened it was a sad day but that moved but you got Keaton and you must have that had, was a blast He's he such an blast. intense, interesting guy. Oh,
1: he really is, and he's got so much range. And, uh, and where did you
0: see him, though? Did you see him as a comic? Because I know he did no, comedy. He at did the comedy. Time. Yeah, and he
1: did comedy. Uh, I saw him because Lowell Gans, who who was one of the writers along with Bob Lu Mandel, yeah. had, was Lowell was the head writer for a long time on Happy Days. Yeah, but he had gone over and directed a show that Michael uh, was doing. I think it was called Working Stiffs with Jim Belushi. Mm-hmm. And at a certain point, when when Henry said yes yeah that he would make the movie what that did was that that uh greenlit some kind of a of a of a tv sale to cbs because he was just such the biggest star in television yeah and and i had already left the show i wasn't on the show anymore but you know, we were still close before
0: the jumping of the shark
1: before uh it was after the jumping of the shark uh-huh.
0: um and um that was the great contribution i guess I, of I, happy days <laughs> i
1: can i can i can tell you a jumping the shark story in a minute okay but uh the uh, Geez, I got a million of them, don't I? Uh, <laughs> Been around a <laughs> got while. Got to cut some of these out. Uh, the, uh, so, I, Henry liked the script. Yeah. And of course he knew Gans and Mandel. And, and I said, either part, the studio will make it with you with either part. Yeah. And I will too. And you could do either part. And he said, I'd rather play Chuck the straight guy. Yeah. And, and let's find a funny guy, because I feel like everybody's going to expect me to be the yeah. Gonzo guy. Right. So now we had to find this guy. But we had a green light yeah. because of Henry. Yeah. And um, and then the, uh, Lowell came in and said, if we're just casting funny, if we just want fucking funny, this guy, Michael Keaton, is on fire. And I just directed him on a Working Stiffs episode. And he's a comic and he's all over the place. But, I mean, he's, this guy's great. Yeah. If they'll just go with funny. Yeah. And he and he auditioned by auditioned to so many people. Yeah, so many. people. A lot of comics. A lot of comics. Yeah, a lot of comics. All, most most of them. You know, like Howie Mandel, mm-hmm. Jay Leno, and I mean, yeah. uh, I think Bill Maher might have come in and auditioned. Sure. And uh, and Michael just won it. Yeah. Then they wanted to fire him. Why? They didn't like he was chewing gum. He was all over the place with the takes, and yeah. I kept saying, "Look, I'm going to edit this thing. Yeah. Let him
0: go. Yeah. Let him go." Yeah.
1: And. Um, and the you know and, and it was part improv, but a lot of that was scripted. That was a brilliant,
0: yeah, brilliant script. Yeah.
1: Um, uh, and uh, but who wrote the script? Gans and Mandel. Yeah. Lowell, Gans and Bobby yeah. Mandel, who also did Splash. Yeah. And uh, Parenthood later.
0: Well, that well, yeah, well, that was the beginning of the role, right? You do Splash. That was huge.
1: Also, a Brian Grazer idea, the idea for the story. Yeah. And Gans and Mandel rewrote it and turned it into something, and and it was very difficult to get that movie made, um, because. At that time, Warren Beatty was probably the biggest star in the world, and he and Jessica Lange, who was the hottest leading lady, were going to do a mermaid movie for the biggest producer in the business, a guy named Ray Stark, for an Oscar-winning director, Herb Ross. And everyone just said, look, you're, you're, they've beaten you to the punch. And finally, it landed on the, in the laps of the people at Disney, whose previous year... Their, 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 kind of their only live action movie was was Gus, the field Gold kicking mule, yeah. <laughs> and I, really, I mean, I, 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 was mortified. And they were interested in it, and they, and they said, "What about this other movie?" And I said, "Well, look, I'm 27 years old. Um, her, if you guys want to make the movie, and if the money's there, her boss is not going to beat this movie to the market." Because I won't leave. I won't leave this lot yeah. until the movie's in the theater. Yeah. You know, and I've got the energy to do it. I yeah. don't think they do. Yeah. And we've already got a good script. I, mean, I did really believe in the script, and uh, um, they 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 accepted that. And then they they then they said, but it's got to be G. And I wanted a topless
0: <laughs> mermaid. mermaid. I yeah. mean, I,
1: I wanted a, you know G. I mean, our comedies are what we're really in, and that's what Night Shift had been.
0: Yeah.
1: And I didn't want to get so- go that soft you know and brian grazer actually had to go to the board of disney of disney and say look ron will do it he'll protect it her hair will always cover her nipples and so forth but you just can't do that he can't he won't do the debbie reynolds version of a mermaid yeah and can't be wearing a bathing suit top and uh um they, they they accepted it but then they called it uh touchstone so we were the first touchstone movie because it was pg really that's
0: why yeah did they create Touchstone for that?
1: Yeah, I mean, they said they want to make more of these. I mean, the yeah. movie was
0: testing very well. And, they just didn't and want the they, Disney they were, name to be sullied. Were, to be sullied by the side yeah. of a breast. Yeah, that's amazing. And, and the weird thing, I just realized that it, it's interesting that you were fortunate, in a way, to come up as a child actor not in that studio. Yeah, in in some senses. Yeah, well, I had
1: done some work for them, but I wasn't one of their guys. right.
0: You weren't Kurt Russell, no. Who no. ultimately became a great actor, no yeah, doubt. I,
1: I directed him in Backdraft. That guy is a is a blast.
0: He's he's. I think he's a great actor. Great underrated.
1: Actor. Great actor. We have a lot in common, and yeah, enjoy each other's
0: company every time. We oh get, yeah. Meet yeah. What's the jumping the shark story? Before I forget. Oh,
1: the jumping the shark story is that the 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 year before the Fonzie yeah. mania had gone absolutely crazy. I mean, I did the Beatles documentary recently, you mm-hmm. know, and and and. It, while Henry was actually brushing up against that kind yeah, of thing yeah, for a moment, yeah. you know, it was like that rocking cars and grabbing and tearing, right, you know, right, 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 and and um, um, and handling it incredibly well, by the way. But the Fonzie character character kept getting bigger than life and gr- growing more and more kind of uh, superhuman yeah. in his ability to uh, open doors with knocks and <laughs> you know and yeah. snap his fingers and people would fall down and right, things like right. that, and. Donnie Most, very cool guy who played Ralph Mal. He sure. and I were really good friends and still are. And he's a very smart guy. Yeah. Um, uh, who's having a big renaissance right now because he's singing, uh, cl- he's playing a lot of clubs yeah. and, and doing Bobby Darren stuff and right. Sinatra. And, right. and, he, and he's doing great with it. But anyway, um, we're sitting here. The year before we did uh, a season opener yeah. about a demolition derby with a, this group called the Malachi Brothers, which was kind of a mess, but people really liked it. It was very hard to make. And 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 none of us thought it was our you know the show's greatest work. Right. Well, now we're here. The script's kind of mediocre, and we're supposed to be in Hollywood, and and Fonzie's gonna do this stunt. You know. Yeah. I'm driving the boat. Yeah. And, and Donnie's reading it, and he kind of looks down. We're eating lunch over here, trying to avoid getting sunburned. Two right. redheads. Yeah. And he looks at me, and he said, "What do you think of the script?" And I sort of shrugged, and I said, "You know." People, people really like, you know, they like the show. It's hard to argue with being number one, you know. Yeah. And he said, he looked down, he looked up, he said, "He's jumping a shark now." <laughs> 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 that was the first time I actually saw that thing, that phrase bracketed. But it was, you know, it was before it was even done. You right, got to give, right. you, you yeah. got to
0: give props to Donnie Most. Oh, good, well, he gets it he finally. Gets it. Yes, well, at long last, <laughs> Donnie Most gets the credit he deserves. Mm-hmm. So, like, without getting, uh, you know, in, uh, hung up on every movie, but, like, I mean, you did work with a lot of guys that, you know, to watch the evolution of Tom Hanks, who was an actor you work with, yeah. and you know, in talking about uh, some of the method, you know, that there's some, you know, the craft of acting, you know, what do you, because he's really... Yeah, re- remarkable. And, and how, why is that as an actor? Well, he's incredibly intelligent. Uh-huh.
1: Actors... Elite actors uh-huh. really have to be intelligent. They do. I th- Yeah. I think comics are the smartest people I've ever been around. Uh-huh. In, in my, maybe, maybe you know, I've interviewed some some astronauts and some physicists that are pretty bright people. Yeah, yeah. But in, in, in terms of what I do and what I understand. The
0: social realm. And, and, and yeah. And the it, cultural it, realm. Co-
1: comics, comics are fast and brilliant. Yeah. Uh, and, and they're pretty stunning. Writers can, can be right behind them, certain mm-hmm. screenwriters. Mm-hmm. But- really great screen actors have to be I- incredibly intelligent intuitive and uh, passionate um, and um, you know and obviously you know creative uh, and have the great work ethic all those things really have to be in place to build that kind of career yeah and and Tom has that he's got great taste mm-hmm. um, and he can work in any genre he uh, which is probably why we've worked together as much as we have because uh, I, I you know I've 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 moved from genre to genre, very you know, in the beginning rather intentionally, and yeah. now because people just know I that I, I have that flexibility. Yeah. yeah. But but he's um, uh, you know he's and he's great to work with. So in any jump ball, if you have the chance to work with Tom Hanks or maybe somebody else that is really interesting but far more complicated and uh, perhaps uh you know um um l- likely to 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 throw up some. Uh, some some, some some barriers in yeah. terms of trying to get the get the project done, right? You know, Hanks gets the nod, yeah, and and um, and he also doesn't cling to anything. There's not a lot of vanity there. Yeah, it's it's all about what's the story, what's my role in it, and and um, you know how do, how do we deliver. He he doesn't try to steal scenes. He doesn't try to hog scenes. He tries to. So he's he's kind of a great teammate. Yeah. And natural leader. So it's a yeah. little bit like I always say. You know, they always said Joe DiMaggio made it look effortless. I never saw Joe DiMaggio play, but I'm a big right. baseball fan. Yeah. And I think Hank's makes it look effortless. But I, you know, I, I he works his he works his ass well, off. Well, it's the
0: interesting thing about uh, you know actors who are actual movie stars mm-hmm. that y- you know they're you know outside of of Forrest Gump that you know and i noticed this with like people like clooney and is that you know it's really a lot of them showing up mm-hmm. that you know there's a variation of emotion yeah. but there's something about the nature of them right. as as actors that that is really the core of it it's it mm-hmm. it's not a it, it's not them transforming necessarily right. right right it's them bringing those qualities that they naturally have but tom has kind of earned the right
1: so if he needs to do an accent, people yeah. will accept it. Sure, you no, know if he yeah, changes absolutely. his look, yeah. it's okay. Right. Whereas with some actors, you know, you just kind of say, "Oh, come on."
0: Yeah, yeah. You know? But even when you talk about De Niro, it's weird because he's a little different. But he's a movie star because I don't really feel that we we really know Bob necessarily. Right.
1: I think Dustin Hoffman was like that. You know? Uh uh-huh. huh. Created a lot of different characters. Yeah. Line, and you and you, you wanted to see that. You know. Yeah. Mer- and you kind
0: of Mer- know him though. You yeah. feel like you
1: know yeah, Dustin yeah, Hoffman. Yeah. Yeah. But you don't
0: really feel like you yeah. know Bob. De no, Niro. that's true. It's instead. odd.
1: And yeah, you don't really feel like you know that much about Meryl Streep, really. No, Although no. She, when she gets up and makes a speech, it's great. Yeah. You kind of feel like she's 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 <laughs> doing her character. job. She's doing her job. Did
0: you see that that, that silly movie, The Intern with De Niro? Uh, no, I didn't. Because, like, you know, it's weird. It, it was sort of like whatever it was. I happen to be a, a, an Anne Hathaway fan. But but I thought he did some of the best acting he's done in years in that uh, movie. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like he like, was a very controlled, yeah. very sweet yeah. old man. Yeah. But it was thoughtful. I, I got to see it now. Now well, I got to see it. I, 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 th- well, well, I heard yeah. good things, actually. Yeah. You know. But you work with Mel Gibson and, and yeah. Ransom. Yeah. And, yeah. Like, and he's another movie star, but he's a good actor. Oh, a really
1: good actor. And a tremendous director. I'm dying to see th- this uh, Hacksaw Ridge that he yeah. made. And he's so good. Oh, yeah. Uh, he, he's, uh, he's, a, he's a character. Sometimes yeah. he gets in his own way, doesn't he? <laughs> uh, but- uh, yeah. Uh, but, but I, uh, you know, I, I, I have a lot of time for him. I yeah. have a lot of respect for him. And I think he's, I think he's an incredibly talented guy. Uh, the, the year that I was directing Ransom, yeah. uh, he had directed Braveheart and yeah. Braveheart and Apollo 13 were both up for the, you know, the awards, the Academy Awards that year. Yeah, And I was nominated for the Director's Guild Award and in fact won it, nominated for Golden Globe, didn't win. He won that one. And, mm-hmm. and. But when the Oscar nominations came out, um, it was pretty heartbreaking for me, and I didn't get nominated. And and I, we got nominated for nine, and Braveheart got nominated for ten, mm-hmm. and and that tenth was his directing nomination. And I was I, that day we were doing this tense scene that took place in the in the climax of the of the of the movie between Gary Sinise, yeah, who was his kidnapper was trying to get this money you know and control the situation from, from, from this wild man you know Mel Gibson and it was this cat and mouse game and it was this two person scene Richard Price the screenwriter was down there we were still rewriting it still working it and this news comes in and you know Mel comes over and says man I mean you deserved to win, not only be nominated. I mean, that's you did. That's a tremendous movie, and this is a travesty. And I don't know what to say. And I said, "Well, it's, I love your movie too, and, and you know, and I, I have no gripe about your nomination, right?" <laughs> yeah. I said, and uh, but I didn't know, and I was really just, you know, it was kind of, I was kind of like gut shot. I just yeah. felt h- horrible about yeah. it, and the press was coming in, and I remembered this, Pat Riley's a little bit of a friend of mine, the coach, yeah. and he had said, you know, at all times you have to feed the beast. The media is the beast, and if yeah. you're going to be in the game, win or lose, you got to feed the beast. So yeah. I'm trying to feed the beast, you know, and it's tense. Yeah, and and the Gary Sinise, at one point, it's all very quiet. We're doing this scene where he's supposed to walk in the door and approach Mel, and he says, "Hey Ron, loud enough for the crew to hear. Hey Ron, uh, when I come in and I see Mel, I start walking forward. What, what do you?" And then he said what the hell am I talking to you for? Mel, what do you think I should do? (laughs) It was perfect. Everybody laughed their asses off and it broke the ice and we could do this important scene.
0: Uh, (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. Humor is very powerful. Mm -hmm. And and then uh, Russell Crowe with Beautiful Mind and and Cinderella Man. So you love that guy. He's a real artist. I mean, he's a powerful He's kind Thank of God. amazing, right? Kind of amazing, and
1: and and uh, and it was, you know, a couple of times I've really been, you know, sort of awestruck watching a thing happen. Yeah, and I can't claim any credit except right. I was there and yeah. rolled the camera and yeah. was, you know made it possible in a way. Uh-huh. But uh, but uh, he, especially especially with uh, a beautiful mind, yeah, the, the the intricacy and the detail. And There was a tremendous amount of research that went into shaping uh, that character that I was. You know very very um sort of insistent upon and and and, and uh but uh but you know he's a very creative guy mercurial moody a lot of other things but you can you can't take for a minute his artistry away from
0: right him. It, well that's just one of those things right? Like, because i you know he more than a lot of actors when i watched him in gladiator you're like you know To have that kind of power, just standing there, yeah, you know, it's like Richard Burton or that generation of actors that can hold the screen like that and command, yeah, like who, who the hell knows where that comes from? But
1: again, highly intelligent, a good writer in his own right, yeah, as is Hanks. you were asking about Hanks, yeah, you know, I mean, he's, I, I, both those guys, I would say they're they're kind of their own X factor. They're without being uh, overpowering or or overbearing, particularly. Mm. They're 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 in it, and they're creative. And, uh, you know, and they're, they're making it better because their ideas are, you know, really meaningful. Yeah. Often. Often. It's great. And I... they'll also accept no. Yeah. I mean, the, be- the best actors really want to work that way. Right. You know, and they want the director to not just say yes. They, right. You know, and, and get out of the way. Right. They actually want somebody who they respect enough and, you know, to, to, to field and filter. Yeah. And yeah. respond.
0: I, it's funny because I, I mean, on my show, Marin on IFC, I used Chet Hanks. Oh yeah, yeah, huh. basically playing, you know, Chet yeah, Hanks. Yeah, yeah, But he was great. Yeah, he is you, great.
1: He's yeah. a good kid. Yeah,
0: yeah. And Co- Colin is of course very a terrific great actor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw him in that Elvis and uh, Elvis and Nixon movie. Huh. Well, you did that amazing Frost Nixon movie, Thank and you. You. Uh, yeah, that you, you know that was a, it was sort of a that was an interesting interesting time. I I didn't really know about it. Yeah, well, Pete, I know. did.
1: I remembered it, and Vietnam was important yeah. and 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 by the way N- Nixon I I had a, a really low draft number. Yeah. And part part of the reason I I did happy days yeah was because I didn't know how to stay out of the draft. Right. And I thought if I was on a television series that mm-hmm. the network and the and the corporation would figure out a way to get me a deferment or, or get they get might me not in the Air National to, Guard right. or something, you know, so I could wouldn't be in the jungle. Uh, and uh, um but uh, so when he when he actually did in the draft, he, you know, I liked him for that. Dicky <laughs> <That> was, uh, <laughs> Dickie was my man. Reasons, personal reasons. But uh, when I later found out that while while we were staging a lot of those really uh, um, in, in funny because yeah. Peter Morgan's a brilliant writer, yeah, um, and funny and intricate scenes of David Frost uh, in in the in the um, um, Beverly Hilton Hotel uh, working with his team and I understood what date he was there, I realized that the first time I was nominated for a Golden Globe, and that Golden Globe show was taking place down there, uh, he was upstairs working with his team. Wow.
0: For what? For Happy
1: Days? I was nominated for the shootest. Uh, oh, you were f- as a supporting actor. Oh, yeah. And then I think the next year I got nominated for Happy Days.
0: Uh huh. And Michael Sheen was good to work with. Great. Yeah. Oh my God. Well, they both
1: were. And is yeah. and, and, and great, right? He's great. Although he only wanted to be called um, the president he when did. he was in makeup and in character. That was his. That was his request. Yeah. Uh, I I had a hard time buckling to that one. So I used to sort of say, "So the president's going to enter, sir. Right. Would
0: you come over here? All right. I couldn't quite. Brent, oh, really? bring myself, just I don't ad, know, it just ad, bugged ad, me a little bit. Out of respect yeah. for The Office? or, uh, or? I, No,
1: no, I, 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 I just thought it was a little ludicrous and a little pretentious, <laughs> but it really worked for him. Delivered a good performance? Yeah, I, I, oh man, did he? Yeah. Uh, uh, but And and I was wrong, by the way. You know, if I was doing it again, or if I had a chance to work with Frank again. Yeah. Uh, by the way, I felt like I never really got to know him until we were doing press, because he was so in character. Yeah. That, And he's a jovial, funny fantastic guy right and and uh and I didn't get much of that you just got Nixon I always got Nixon because we were all we were on a really tight schedule and the only time I ever saw him he was already in makeup and already the man
0: yeah so like in talking about like presidents in in America and you know getting back to John Wayne and, and what Hollywood was like and what he represented complicated
1: guy um real powerhouse as an
0: actor or as a human? Or? Well,
1: he was a much better actor than I realized. So yeah. when I started the, you know, when I started the movie, I thought he was this great screen personality. Right. Um, but, you know, not Gary Cooper to me or, right. or, or you know, or, or Henry, Fonda. Henry Fonda or yeah. Jimmy Stewart. And, um, um, and it was interesting because we got along really well. Because everyone first, he liked the fact that I was coming out of television. Because he said when he began doing the one reelers, that was yeah. the equivalent of TV, and he right. liked the professionalism of that. And so, so, and I said, "Do you want to run lines?" We had a lot of difficult two person scenes. Yeah, and I liked that. Yeah, and everybody else was a little scared of him, but we were running lines all the time, and that led to playing chess. Uh-huh. He loved to play chess all the time, and, uh-huh. and I can play. He was good. He was good. Oh, yeah. And he played like you'd expect him to. It was just an onslaught, man. Yeah. Just an attack. Yeah. If I was a little more sophisticated, I'm sure you could take him right down. Yeah. But he beat the, beat the hell out of me, and I wasn't letting him win.
0: And, he, and you thought he's a better actor than he gets yeah. credit for?
1: Well, we were rehearsing these scenes, and it was very interesting because the scene was kind of awkward. I felt, you know, it wasn't really, you know, working. And in my opinion, I was already uh. thinking a little bit like a director. And, um, and all of a sudden, he'd say, let me do that one again. And he would stop. Change the timing, and maybe even put in that little John Wayne hesitation, that little hitch where, yeah. he, de- where he doesn't quite finish the line until yeah. Like, yeah, he's seen the guy at the door. you know yeah. that right. And, and, uh, and it, suddenly it popped. And I said, "Man, this guy is 74 years old, and he's working it. Yeah. He's, he cares." And, yeah. he, and he, worked, he worked really hard on that, and the scenes mattered, and he was meticulous about it, And again, it's another one of those lessons. But he was tough. He and Don Siegel really, really battled. Really? Over, and I, and uh, yeah, he did not, they didn't get along.
0: Over what? Like, what is the battle for a director, like, when it, when it comes to, like, I mean, as a director and as an actor?
1: Don was trying to shoot it, you know, he did, he did Escape from Alcatraz. Yeah. He was, uh, he was far more cinematic. He was kind of, uh, you know, of the 70s. Yeah. And he was trying to shoot it that way. And. Wayne did not like the low camera angles that he thought made him look jowly. He didn't like like old studio player stuff. Old studio player stuff, and and he was really enforcing it. And I remember Siegel saying, "Man, because I, you know, he already, I knew I wanted to be a director. I had this tremendous advantage Hmm. of through all of this drama, really kind of being friends with both guys and hearing, kind of hearing about it, you know. And he said, let me just tell you. I mean, you know, uh, two to three weeks in.'" If there's a battle between the director and the star, it's the director who has to go. So I have a choice, either ride this out, um, you know. Really? And, uh, you know, or not, and yeah. I really like this script. Yeah. And I think it can be a good movie. Right. So this tough, tough guy. Um, and, you know, he said, but he said caustic things. I mean, he was like baiting Wayne in the paper, you know, saying uh, well, I, they say Wayne eats directors for lunch. Well, if he eats me, he's going to get this, you know, digest indigestion right. and things like that, which was just kind of
0: stupid. And baiting an old man. who Was that his last movie? Uh, it was you... his last movie.
1: Yeah. And he wasn't, he wasn't really well. He had uh, the stomach cancer? Yeah. Well, he, he didn't at that point. He, he was, uh, but he got, he got pneumonia mm-hmm. at some point he had one long only had one long but uh, but it was uh it was interesting and i got to talk to him a lot about john ford who was one of one, one of the Surrechers, directors that huh? I, I idolized he worked with him a lot yeah ford stage coach yes yeah, he'd culture. worked as a prop guy for, right. for john ford and an extra uh, you love john ford love john ford love frank capra yeah but then i discovered Billy Wilder oh, yeah. and Howard Hawks and yeah. those guys had so much range. Yeah. And I didn't I when I began, you know, realizing I was going to have a career as a director, mm-hmm. I'd been doing TV series where you're sort of always doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. And you know, I read an article where Billy Wilder said, you know, if I'd been like Hitchcock it just stuck with one genre, I would have made a lot more money. Mm-hmm. But but I just couldn't. Well, I you know, I related to that. Yeah. And I I really wanted to 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 explore the medium and more more importantly i suppose really gain the trust of the collaborators because you know fans will come and go audiences will come and go critics shift who knows but if you if you have the respect of peers and colleagues then you then that's that's where the quality uh work is really is really born sure. it's out yeah. of those collaborations and so it was important to me to have the trust of not only studios But also, you know, writers, producers, and and certainly actors.
0: And how does the relationship in that sense with you and Brian work? Because I mean, you're pretty. Tied together, both in production yeah. and creation and, and execution, and you direct uh, most of it, all of it, right? right. He doesn't well, direct.
1: Well, he doesn't direct, but, right. but but we make a lot of shows like sure. you know, Empire and Twenty Four Fel- and other Felicity. Mo- Felicity did. was ours, and, yeah. You know, and 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 lots and lots of movies, but like I, Eight Mile and American Gangster. That you know that Brian. I produces. love American Gangster.
0: Isn't it a good movie? It is a good movie. Yeah. I don't yeah. know that it, it that it got the credit it deserved.
1: Maybe not quite that year, you know. Yeah. But but these uh, movies, but take, like, um, movies take on a life. That's, they do. It's one of the good things today
0: you know how i know i love a movie is if it just comes on in the middle and i'm just sitting at home watching which i still do i'll just flip around i'm like i'm gonna watch the rest that's the
1: coolest yeah i know exactly (laughs) what you mean well that's look that is you know there's chaos in the in 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 the in the industry now Mm -hmm. movies and television Mm -hmm. it's exciting for tv because there's just so much output yeah but if you're if you're a studio or a network or a production company you're trying to figure out what a show or a movie should cost it's a mind bender, yeah. You know, and and how many movies should you make, and where should they play, and we, all of that's driving them crazy. If you're a creative person, it's the it's it's the greatest time ever, yeah. Because if you have a story that you care about, you, you know, uh, you you can find the platform, Some, yeah. You, you can get find the place to make it, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm you know I'm so thrilled by that, yeah. Because, and I think it came along at a pretty good time in my life because it's you know it's exciting to. Be able to stick with the you know the 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 main objective, which is feature films, but be able to do a Beatles documentary, or be yeah. able to participate in this. We have a project, interesting project, that's half scripted and half documentary about going to Mars, uh-huh. and I've really been involved in that. It's been it's been a lot of um, you know it's been a lot of fun, and that those those kinds of uh, of experiments. I'm I just directed the first hour of a ten part um, scripted uh, event series. Called Genius, and the first genius we're focusing on is Albert Einstein. Sure. And that was really, that's the first TV I've directed in a long time, but it was just such a great script.
0: And he probably, well, he probably learned a lot.
1: Yeah, it was great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This, Although I'll never get uh, E right. equals MC squared. That's I, just I that's beyond me. Yeah, it's yeah, just I, beyond me.
0: I don't know how. I don't understand. <laughs> I mean, I I'd like to think I could if I applied myself, but I doubt it. I I I don't. I've been I've been applying myself.
1: <laughs> <It's>, it ain't <laughs> happening. But, but I I uh, I did better with Formula One on Rush. I learned I fi- I learned how that sport
0: works. <laughs> oh good. I finally good. found the racing line. <laughs> <laughs> <Good. Yeah. laughs> and now we you know you've got the third uh, part of the. Uh, the Da Vinci Code yes, series. Yes, Dan, The Dan Brown, Robert Langdon mysteries. Yeah. I, uh, You know, like for me, like, I don't know where you are because, you know, we're dealing, well, what I was getting out with John Wayne, you know, a, a famous uh, conservative mm-hmm. and, you know, and, and you've been in Hollywood a long time and, you mm-hmm. know, a lot of, like even, you know, we were diplomatic around Mel Gibson's yeah, politics, right. you know, yeah, like, yeah. he has this or that, but I mean, you know, you are a political guy. Yeah. And uh, it's sort of interesting to me that like I'm very prone to cons- I'm not prone to conspiracy theories, but like when I watch <laughs> Inferno or I watch the Da Vinci Code, I'm like, "This shit can be real." I mean, yeah. I don't- <laughs> that's the beauty of it. That's the beauty of it. But- well, the, the interesting thing about what Dan does is yeah. he actually he
1: creates uh, the, these these sort of fun vehicles first as books and and uh, you know escapist entertainment and and then my job is to try to find the cinematic equivalency of that and uh, and and but. He he also, you know, you have to take it seriously enough to actually sort of take the bait on the conspiracy theory or at least
0: weigh it. At some point. Well, the Catholic Church, is just like when you get to go to Italy and you get to shoot in those, like this is thousands of years of yeah. popes, man. Yeah, yeah. And like, you know, just layers and layers of who the fuck knows what. Yeah. And I'm, you know, I'm a Jew, <laughs> but like, I'm sort of like, I don't know, man, about Satan and like, yeah, like, <laughs> I know. I'm in. It's fascinating. But I mean, but do you ever, t- do, do you ever have moments where, I don't know where you are spiritually or uh, you're obviously a pretty well-grounded guy, but yeah. you're yeah. shooting that stuff. Were yeah. there ever moments? No, no. <laughs> no.
1: I not for me, but I but I I think it's uh look, I what I what I thought what I think that Dan does is he presents the conspiracy theory and and makes just a kind of a good enough case for it and then bakes it into the fun clue path and yeah. stuff that everybody likes to right. see Hanks do right. and Tom loves to do. He Tom loves it. playing Robert Langdon. He does. loves it. Yeah. Uh, you know, and it just he just he finds it fascinating because why? Because it's history, it's ideas, yeah. it's all it buried in, right. in in around this this entertainment. But um he does, you know, Dan Dan does all of that. And at the end of the day it's not really about believing the conspiracy or not believing the conspiracy but it is about thinking about it and and so he's it's more he's more provocateur than he is but it isn't with humor you know there isn't with irony right it's very earnest yeah and and so some people i think say well he's, he's taking himself very very seriously and in fact he he is only taking himself seriously so that People have to actually contemplate the notion.
0: I think. Well, yeah, and the backdrop is just histories of a very cryptic and bizarre it, religious yeah. cult.
1: Yeah, and and I <laughs> now that I do I do believe that that you know that we have no idea what who's been motivated by what mm-hmm. and 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 uh, you know even this one focuses more on a contemporary issue, which is uh, you know overpopulation yeah. uh, and and a, and, a, and a terrorist trying to kill a lot of people to try to solve the problem. And,
0: and also some sort of final confrontation yes right, yes where... yes
1: would yeah and uh, you know with a virus and so forth that yeah. would really be devastating yeah and uh, um, but it's the clue path is hidden in Dante, so the idea is very modern and not religious or historical. But the but the clue path is buried in Dante and Inferno, Hell, yeah. uh, and uh, uh, the Botticelli painting and mm-hmm. so forth, which uh, and Dante was kind of, was no longer not only really um, defining Hell for Western civilization. He was also inventing the contemporary horror genre yeah. those punishments are like every cool thing that you've seen in, uh, you know, in a in a, in in a, a yeah, Toro the tortures, Shocker. yeah yeah or something. And uh, but but he also was taking revenge. Yeah, that it's all ha, more than half of the of the characters that he writes about are are people that he that he thinks wronged him, or Uh wronged his family, or wronged his country, in Dante's Inferno. Inferno. So he's fueled by this rage, you know, and this desire to express something that's very, very personal, to him did he think he was redefining it for all time I, you know maybe no. i think he might have been a kind of an arrogant guy yeah <laughs> but but he was fueled
0: by he, he, by he might have been a little grandiose and but, revenge
1: but it was fueled by this very personal thing that's that's interesting to me that's
0: very interesting now like speaking like you are uh politically active right and we are dealing with uh a a a a spiraling uh yeah well it's oh, many spinning it's... plates of conspiracy you know, use like there's a danger to conspiracy theories. Yes, because you can sort of you know decide what history you want to put into yes, place and, and how you want it to fit together. And if people are uneducated or angry enough, they'll they'll the, eat it all.
1: Yeah, that's right. It, it's 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 so true and uh, and and so dangerous. Yeah. Uh, and look, I look. I I think it's I think I, I've been overseas a lot. People look at us and 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 by the way, I know the Trump supporters don't don't care about this but yeah. they look at us and they just what What the what, hell is going happening? on you know and and it's you know it is it's is shocking i just hope i really hope that in the rage and the anger that is fueling these folks and you got to take it seriously because sure. i got a lot of family members who are trump people yeah you know i mean no, i understand you yeah. yeah. not it's not all knuckle draggers sure. like bill no, maher says that, you know if, if, of course then they have
0: uh, grievances
1: they have real grievances yeah and we have to make sure that in in, in trying to find you know some salve Something that will soothe them of their grievances that they don't wind up giving a very narcissistic um you know uh, bullying figure this opportunity to become a despot because I don't you know i mean yeah
0: that's what he'll do or shift it uh, to authoritarianism yeah, yeah well it's it's interesting to me because there's like you know I've seen you've said in you know publicly about you know this sort of toughness and 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 kind of um you know stick to itness of the American spirit yeah. you know and you see that in apollo thirteen and yeah. and you know it's something that you're conscious of that that the weird thing is is that you know trump is some you know negative representation yes. of that
1: yes yes hey
0: uniquely tr- american huckster
1: well, absolutely and, <laughs> and i mean although if you're in italy they'll say Berlusconi.
0: sure you know well, no, it's a, it's, a, uh, it's a standard uh, political uh, character you know, i
1: can't remember his name but if you're in if you're in hungary they'll talk about the guy that who's moving everything to the far far right right uh and uh um, and and cozying up to Putin, by the right. way. Um It's uh, you know it's uh, you know it's uh, I I I really just pray that that people go vote. Yeah. Whatever they think, just yeah. pl- participate. So we yeah. have a huge, huge out, out, yeah, out, t- out, out you know, turning out. Out turning out. Yeah. And um, you know, and I certainly hope that look, even if they. Even if they have to lie to their loved ones
0: sure. about no, whom they know, voted I know. for, yeah. get in the booth that's and, and
1: and make a sensible vote. That's why know, it's please, private, please. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's why it's private. Yeah, say yeah. whatever you want to say.
0: You, you can keep a secret. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, lie. Yeah, I don't it, mind. Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> and the one other thing that, like, I noticed that you know in our conversation that you seem to have a conscious understanding of of you know which movies are are, are made to make money. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you want them all to make money. Yeah. But there's a difference between an entertainment. Yeah. right and a movie that has some some teeth to well, it well
1: they're all they're all entertainments in my mind but sure. different stories entertain in different ways right and uh, i began to sort of understand that you know a couple of decades ago and began and, and 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 partly with the power of apollo 13 that true story yeah. you know and right. and 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 uh, and i saw the way audiences responded to it i think audiences are a lot smarter than me in fact give them credit for yeah and um and i think you you sort of make a promise with an audience about a story mm-hmm. and then it's it's how can you deliver on that promise whether it's i'm going to laugh my ass off or it's going to be whimsical and fantastical and i can take my kids mm-hmm. or or it's this is thought provoking and this really happened yeah. some version of this really happened right. i'm going right. to learn about this right um and those are all reasons to be to feel entertained when it's all over and, right. and you feel satisfied and as a storyteller your job is to to sort of understand the difference and it's fun. It's yeah. fun to play in the various tones and styles, and then and then also collaborate with the people who really really specialize in that. Right. You know, like a, one of the greatest things was directing Jim Carrey in The Grinch, and sure. and watching, you know, the him a kind of a special kind of genius create these this physical comedy out of absolute n- nothing, yeah. and it would be like take 22 and you'd be exhausted and he just to have one more and suddenly he's adding some body contortion or some head snap the timing's just a little different and uh
0: and that's that's, it that's it man yeah so you go all in no matter what that you know that's one of the great things about how you know you've you've designed your particular careers you can be any genre it's just if how you engage with the story it's the themes yeah
1: it's it's and 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 if you ident- if and for me i need to be able to relate to it and yeah. and and uh connect with it in some level either i'm right. curious about it i'm intrigued i like the world something about it has to really you know want to it's going to hold my attention for a year and a half i, yeah. be, I better be involved <laughs> yeah. but you know a long maybe 15 years ago maybe yeah my kids were adolescents there was a, a lot of fireworks in the house yeah We're sitting around with my wife, Cheryl, we're watching. There's kind of this argument going on in the family and just the TV's on. It's just on. Yeah. I don't even remember which like, late 80s or early 90s ABC banal sitcom was on. Yeah. But damned if they weren't dealing with the very thing we were arguing about. Right. With their bright colors and their punchlines and that sitcom delivery and all of it. And we all stopped. And folded our arms and sat down and watched this dumbass, broad silly episode and it meant the world to us when that episode was over we had laughed it's you know good yeah, is good right and, and 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 it had meant something and that was just a reminder to me that in every one of these tones every genre there's a good and a bad version of it right. and you never know when your viewer is gonna need that thing that way. Right. You know? And <laughs> right. so respect it. Yeah. Whether it's a kid's Saturday morning cartoon or a broad sitcom, understand it and 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 tell the story. Because right. the stories are what are what kind of heal us, fuel us, keep us going. Yeah. In addition to entertaining, but we got to be entertained, or else it's kind of hard to get our attention. Sure. You know? So that's sure. The, that's the game.
0: That's the that's the trade-off or that, the, you know, the the negotiation you have and, to make. And, the line you ride. Yeah. Right. I, I
1: mean, I f- I feel that way when I sit down to sure.
0: To, to well, I to think watch. that's beautifully put. Well, and it's great talking to you. Likewise. Enjoyed it Very much. That was an amazing conversation. I love guys who uh, and women who, you know, who, who who have just been working and doing things and and have a history within them of uh, of entertainment. It's it's daunting and and awesome. Go to wtfpod.com and check out the tour. Got dates coming up. Carnegie Hall is about sold out. Got Chicago, Nashville, a lot of stuff. wtfpod.com. Also get on the mailing list. I Turn out a very personal email blast every week. I've not prepared any guitar here, but uh, I feel like it's something I do. <laughs>